720 WGN. It is Dane here with you high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio on a Sunday morning. And right now, appropriate to go from, uh, well... The king of Sunday morning, who is down there with uh, the king of rock and roll, the one and only Dean Richards. Dean, welcome to your show. It's a pleasure to be on the show with all of you fine folks. <laughs> How is it, Dean? Because it's a pleasure to be on your own show, but of course you're remote and one of the biggest stars in, uh, well, well, I guess show business of all time. You're right there in the epicenter of Elvis. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Have you ever been here to, I, uh, to Graceland? I have never, and I am the anyone who knows me knows I'm uh, I'm a huge Elvis fan, and uh, just so excited for so many things, including I saw some of the trailers for the movie. I know we're going to talk a little bit about it. I have never made that pilgrimage that so many have. Yeah, this is something that you need to do if you're an Elvis fan, number one, but also being the foodie that you are. Memphis is you know one of the great uh, food cities of the world famous for the barbecue and, uh, you know, the Southern uh, favorites. But uh, A yeah. little later on in the program, Dean, well, a little later on the program, we're going to have Tim Shear. They won uh, Memphis in May just a couple of weeks ago. So they won. So you're right. Some of the best barbecue world renowned happens right there in Memphis. Yeah, very definitely. Um, I, 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 interesting, I have yet to experience any of that barbecue yet because we've been busy uh, getting ready to do the interviews with the cast of this new Elvis movie that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, this young actor named Austin Butler plays uh, Elvis in this movie uh, amazingly. It captures the spirit of Elvis like I have never seen any other actor do. Uh, the great Tom Hanks is Colonel Tom Parker in the movie and also does a great job. A really interesting story that I'll be telling you much more about as we get closer to the uh, opening of it all. But, uh, you know, being here at the epicenter of it all, this is where, you know, it it sort of all began for Elvis. Uh, This is where he passed away uh, in August of 1977. This is where he has laid the rest uh, on the Graceland property and over the last few years. The uh, Elvis Presley Enterprises that controls all things Elvis now, uh, they've turned this area really, you know, sort of into like a Disneyland of uh, all things Elvis with uh, exhibits and museums. Uh, and it's it's so much more than, you know, just going to pay your respects at Graceland Mansion where uh, he lived and where he died. <laughs> Dean, it's uh, you know just the the culture is is so cool. I mean, right? It is. There, I mean, you don't want to say culture; you want to say a cult. But there are devotees that have maintained. And I want to ask you, as a guy who's interviewed every single celebrity out there, Elvis for his star to maintain so bright. An example: I was excited during the Indy Five Hundred show. We had Jay Leno on. I was telling my fifteen year old and his friend Jay Leno. They had no idea who Jay Leno was. They were like, "You mean Jared Leto?" I'm like, "No, Jay Leno." So even as big as Jay Leno was, you know. It fades, right? But Elvis is bright as ever. Why do you think that is? You know, that, that's a that's that's a question. I think that we may never get an answer to. You know, part of it is the mystique of uh, part. Part of it is his music. That his music is at timeless uh, and uh, is some of the greatest rock and roll that's ever been made. But the mystique behind somebody who dies. Uh, you know, that that rises to the top of the world so fast and then dies so young. He was only 42 when he passed away. 
uh, you know, there's there's something interesting about that. And I, I, I wondered if when I came back here, uh, this is my second time here at Graceland, uh, I wondered if it was just going to be older people who are here who grew up with Elvis Presley, but that's definitely not the case. There are people of all ages on these grounds uh, who have come to experience it. I mean, I think the younger people are into uh, his music. Uh, they're into the mystique of the way that he lived. Uh, you know, and, you know, Dane, let's face it, who wouldn't be into those sideburns, honestly? <laughs> Some of the greatest sideburns I've ever, ever worn. I, sp- I hope that over the last couple of days you spent a little time growing some out just so that you could feel sort of in place there. And you mentioned food, and Elvis has his own sort of food culture, right, too, with like the peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Have you been obligated to make a couple of those to get sort of in the in the mode for it? Yeah, I, I, honestly, I have, as I've been uh, busy uh, doing things re- regarding the movie, but something very interesting, uh, the uh, hotel that I'm staying in, which is the, uh, the Elvis Presley uh, guest house, it's part of a Graceland property. It's part of, you know, it's like staying at the Disney hotel. If you were to go to Disney World, um, they, uh, they had... When we were coming back in from seeing the movie last night, I've seen this movie twice now, but I wanted to experience it uh, a second time. We were coming out of the movie last night, back into the hotel. You know how some hotels will have, uh, uh, you know, like ice, ice, ice tea, the, you know, complimentary. They'll have, you know, little things, things you can snack on complimentary in the lobby. They had peanut butter and banana sandwiches <laughs> uh, on platters last night. Uh, for people returning to the hotel, you know, and especially coming out of this movie, you were in, in such an Elvis mode. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to I'm gonna be spending the whole day today with interviews. Um, yeah, so I'm going to try to experience some of the uh, food culture and some of the barbecue uh, after I get done with all of that <laughs> later on today. But talking about this movie, the screening that we went to last night. Um, this this was uh, you know one of the premier screenings here in the U.S. of this movie, and the entire cast was there. The writer director of this movie, Basil Lerman, who made Moulin Rouge, who made uh, The Great Gatsby, and many others, was there and introduced his entire cast: uh, Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, uh, the actors who play Priscilla Presley, who play Little Richard in the movie. Uh, who play um, uh, Fats Domino and B.B. King in the movie. Uh, they were all on hand. And then he brings out onto the stage Priscilla Presley and uh, her daughter, Lisa Marie Presley. Mm-hmm. And they spoke to the crowd at the screening. And I think we've got some uh, audio of that for everyone to hear. Oh, that's going to be that's going to be great. We'll have to have some of that. I don't know that um, that Jack is ready with that, but I did want to, and you'll have after the interviews a lot more insight on all of that stuff. But this is people. Some people may think, well, Elvis, it's all been told. We've known all about it: his life, his death, everything that happened. But this focuses, at least, with some of the trailers that I saw, on sort of that mysterious figure that was really fifty percent of everything that Elvis did, which was Colonel Parker. Yeah, literally fifty percent of. Uh, the take of everything that Elvis made, uh, Colonel Tom Parker uh, uh, took, some people would say stole, uh, from Elvis Presley through the years. The movie is about the relationship between these two men, but uh, you can't get through the relationship between these two men without experiencing 
a young a, a young boy Elvis uh, in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, and then later on here in uh, the Memphis area, uh, a young Elvis, you know, circa mid fifties, late fifties, going on the Ed Sullivan Show, going on the Steve Allen Show. Uh, being shown only from the waist up because the gyrations were too much for uh, television executives uh, back in the day. Um, and, you know, his his rise to the top, his uh, decline as, as music changed, reinvented himself, coming back, and then, you know, the uh, uh, evolution of his health, really, uh, getting involved with drugs. It's an unfiltered look at the life of uh, Elvis Presley. But uh, as I as I said, this uh, young actor who plays Elvis and, and sings uh, Elvis for uh, uh, half of the movie, he, he actually does the singing. Um, wow. Jeez. Just channels, channels Elvis. He channels the power of Elvis like I've never seen an actor do before. I, I like this movie quite a bit. I'm glad I saw it a second time. Because you know how sometimes when you see a movie, you you miss things, uh, and uh, you know seeing it again, you you just you know get to experience it in a whole different way. That's high praise coming from Dean Richards. Let the listeners know we're talking with Dean Richards on Dean Richards Show here on Sunday morning on WGN. He is down at the epicenter of Elvis down there at Graceland where he's going to be doing some interviews. And you look at just the participation that is there. Tom Hanks is in on this. You know it's going to be good, right? You know he's going to be in on a project that is going to be something that everyone's going to enjoy. Well, you know, it's kind of full circle for uh, Tom Hanks as well. You'll remember at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, Tom Hanks was the first sort of famous person to get COVID. Uh, and he got COVID while they were making this movie. It, you know, they had to stop production on this whole thing. Uh, while he and uh, Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife, uh, dealt with um, you know, the isolation and the early um, uh, effects of uh, COVID way before there was a vaccine. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're now seeing a lot of projects coming out that took place uh, during the pandemic. This is definitely uh, one of the most famous of them all. And, um, you know, Tom Hanks last night at this uh, world premiere screening that took place uh, talked about this is not his first movie that was based here in Memphis. Uh, his movie Castaway, if you'll remember, that he was an executive uh, with uh, FedEx right. in that movie before the plane crashed, and he was deserted on that island. That was all based uh, here in Memphis as well. So he's got some history with the city. Wow, wow, wow. It's all happening. So much excitement. I think that's going to be one of the summer blockbusters. You've already intimated that you support it, you like it, you're impressed by the film, and it's great to have you there. You're going to be getting some great stuff right there. In Graceland, I can't believe you're there. And for before we let you go, Dean, like talk about so people, you know, just like the first time you saw Wrigley Field as a kid, you're like, wow, it's so much smaller than I thought. That's what some of the people say. Is Graceland? I mean, it's a mansion. Obviously, it's a very nice house. Is it smaller than you thought it would be, or is it bigger? What's it like? Yeah, yeah, very definitely. It was the first time that I was here. Uh, it was that was my very first impression when you pull up that driveway. Uh, at, at the time, you know, you could just pull your car right up almost to the house, directly to the house when I was here. I don't even know what year it was. It's usually 20, 25 years ago that uh, I came down here. 
uh, now it's now it's much more uh, secluded, and uh, you know, security I suppose has uh, required that you know things be a little bit different for things like that. But uh, you, yeah, you notice that the house is uh, is tiny. Uh, his those, those famous gates in front of Graceland are still intact with all the musical notes and kind of a caricature of uh, Elvis in wrought iron on this uh, famous gate and the the brick fence that surrounds it all is absolutely covered in uh, people writing with magic markers and things, you know, their names and their dates and their memories of uh, Elvis completely surrounding this building. I have to think that they must, uh, you know, steam clean it once in a while and start <laughs> over again because, <laughs> right. uh, you know, they're, they're just been, you wouldn't be able to see anything if uh, anything were on there. But uh, when, when I went by yesterday uh, and, I was looking at some of the inscriptions on there. You know, it's just, you know, people long long live Elvis. Elvis changed my life, and the dates and you know names and and things like that. It's become uh, kind of a tradition. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's the number one tourist attraction uh, here in uh, Memphis and like in the in the South. Wow! Uh, people still come in droves here to Memphis, Tennessee to. Uh, See where see where, where rock and roll began. The connection is timeless. It is undeniable, and it's going to be exciting to see it up again, kind of breathed with new life into it up on the big screen. And of course, you mentioned too with Priscilla and Lisa Marie there. All the stars are aligned. Everybody's kind of given their endorsement to it, and we're excited to hear what you come back with, Dean Richards. So have a great day at Graceland and uh, get in there. Now you're wearing a jumpsuit. Are you wearing any kind of? You got the sunglasses. You know those really cool signature sunglasses. Any? I mean, we mentioned the sideburns anything you're doing elvis wise yeah well well, you know shawnee would be uh very very proud of me because i don't know if a lot of people know that shawnee dresses like that all the time (laughs) is famous for wearing jumpsuits i I don't probably never mentioned it no on uh, sunday morning i can't i can't wear it anymore andy can verify yeah andy can verify uh, Shawnee is known for his diamond encrusted uh, jumpsuits and the scarf around the neck, and he wears the aviator glasses, the I just, aviator uh, sunglasses. I, I, and I just decided to dress casual today, Dean. I, I skipped all of that. It's kind of like Ray Rayner meets Elvis. <laughs> I think, I, he's a sort of an understated cape today. I think is all I noticed. <laughs> right, doing karate moves in the in the newsroom all the time. Hey, Dean, I have a quick question. Since you're in Memphis, there, are you going to Sun Records? Uh, if I have time to, I, I, I drove by yesterday, and it's again, it's it's a tiny little store. It's a tiny little storefront. Uh, I, I had been there on my previous visit, but if I have time later on after I finish the interviews, I would like to you know try to go to some of the uh, some of the cool places. Maybe uh, they'll let me uh, cut a record. That would be great. See if the RCA RT21 reel-to-reels are still working there for me. Great. I'll, I'll definitely get all the serial numbers and all the uh, have on display because I, I know that that's uh, very near and dear to your heart. Oh, <laughs> such good stuff, Dean. We're going to have fun on on your show. You're going to be there in the middle of history. So exciting day coming up. And, uh, and Dean, we'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much for calling in. This is awesome. Yeah, thanks uh, for uh, letting me check in. And uh, I hope you have a good time today with <laughs> with all your special guests and 
I hope you survived dealing with Shawnee. Oh, we will, we will. We will do our best. Thanks, Dean. Have a great. Have a great day at Graceland. All right. See you guys. Bye. All right, we are going to take a break, and we come back, we'll have more show. It's Dane in for Dean here on 720 WGN. Our back, 720 WGN. It'll be Dane in uh, in here for Dean until 1 p.m., and a lot coming up on the show. We talked a little bit about it. We may talk a little more Elvis, 312-981-7200. If you've got some thoughts, what's your favorite kind of Elvis thing, or if you've been to Graceland and you want to share your thoughts on that, I think that could be fun as Dean is down there in the epicenter of Elvis as well. And throughout the course of the program, we're going to talk a little bit of fast, a little bit of food. A lot of things happen in the racing world today, specifically with WGN Road America, some big things that we've been doing, I think, with tickets and interviews and coverage and all of that kind of stuff. That is happening up there today at Road America, just a road trip away, the National Park of Speed. And coming up later, we'll have Alex Palau. He is the defending IndyCar Series champion, defending race champion at Road America. He's going to call in and join us before the race, so that'll be great. The NASCAR drivers are out at Sonoma, and Jill Gregory, right after the news break coming up, she's going to join us. She is the vice president and GM at Sonoma Raceway. And a little bit later on in the program, we'll talk with Martin Truex Jr. as well. He's won a few times out there, and he'll talk about the NASCAR Cup Series as they get out there as well. Coming up a little bit later for those people that, uh, you know, Dean talks a little bit of food. We all talk some food, and we've got, and Dean has, a $100 gift card from the Barbecue Authority in Lyle. You're going to visit barbecueauthority.com to shop and learn more, and we're going to give away a $100 gift card, and we'll probably do that right around noon because we're going to have Tim Shear on. Of course, you know him from Blues Hog, and you know them as the defending. They just won. Maybe it was like two two or three weeks ago. They won Memphis in May, the grand champions out there at Memphis in May. So we'll have him on, and we will give away that $100 gift card somewhere around noon. We're also going to talk Beer Fest. Chicago Beer Fest is coming up, and you're wondering, what does that have to do with uh, with racing? Well, I guess it does. And so Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, they're a sponsor of that. I'm not sure how that all fits together. 1230, we'll talk with them. Greg Alonzo is going to be on with us in person. We're going to talk the Pride Parade, custom cars, car shows with the Westmont folks, and we're also going to have, um, let's see, who else here? Let me look here. We are going to have... Old Dominion is going to join us. So if you like country music coming up, I think it's the 25th of uh, of uh, June with Kenny Chesney. They'll be there as well. So stay tuned to Big Show, 312-981-7200. Your thoughts on any of that, your uh, kind of input. Also, maybe some Graceland thoughts. Keep it here. It's Dane on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and excited to have on one of uh, Adweek's most powerful women in sports. She's the executive vice president and general manager at Sonoma Raceway, the one and only Jill Gregory. Welcome to WGN. Thanks, Dane. Thanks for having me. Well, you think about this. Well, thanks for being here, number one. And one of the cool things that we like to feature whenever we talk racing and, and with the tracks and the and the people and leadership behind him is just how different each one of the tracks is in all the race experience for the fans. I mean, on television, it may look similar in a lot of different ways, right? They're going around in circles and some are ovals and some are road courses, but the race itself and that fan experience, which is so important, really takes on sort of the vibe of the community, the state, the people around it. So you're from Modesto, right? And so this is, you know, like a home game for you. Talk a little bit about that, just how, whether it's California races or California race fans and how it's a unique destination. Yeah, I'd love to because I went to my very first NASCAR race here at Sonoma Raceway. I was in high school and I had some cousins that liked racing. I was not particularly into it. 
don't tell anyone. Um, <laughs> but I came and it was a great place to kind of sit in the sun and have a couple cold drinks and, and enjoy racing. And I kind of caught the bug there. And Sonoma Raceway, while it's changed quite a bit since then, it is still one of the most beautiful locations. As you mentioned, it's a road course. Um, there are a lot more road courses on the NASCAR circuit now than there used to be, but we've got 12 turns. We have a lot of elevation and hills and some of our seats are kind of just cut into the hillside on what are what we call our terraces. So it's quite a different viewing experience for the fan that might be used to going to kind of a traditional oval. And you're in the middle of wine country. So what could be better? You can get a full day of racing and get some wine tasting in and you're in just such a beautiful setting. So it made a ton of sense for me to come back. I had been in Charlotte for quite some time, but back to Sonoma is not a bad place to be. You mentioned the word elevation and it's an elevated experience on the food and wine side. And so even though there is a charm and appeal and and fans love, let's say a Talladega experience, right? Or Daytona, you know, to be there in wine country is totally different. Talk about that as a person who spent time at tracks all over the country, certainly a lot of time at Charlotte, sort of the home base for a lot of the NASCAR community, but being in Sonoma, it is like a different experience, right? It really is. I think, you know, I'm looking out my window now and you see all of the rolling hills of the Sonoma Valley. You can see vineyards in the distance. And so I think for our fans, you know, this is a destination. And the great news is they get to see some amazing races. It's not just, hey, I'm going to come to Sonoma and see a race and, and maybe the race is okay, but it's great because I'm in the, the Sonoma Valley. The racing is incredible. You know, we have a ton of action here and we've got different ways for the fans to enjoy it. So we've got a traditional grandstand experience and you can take a look at that, but we've got these amazing turns where the cars get up on two wheels and, you know, we have this hairpin turn in turn 11 where a lot of action has happened here. So I think we just get the best of both worlds. You can come here and enjoy the community and have a great dinner and do some wine tasting on your way to come see some amazing races. And I think this year is going to be even better because we've got a full schedule of racing. We added the Camping World Truck Series to the schedule. So we've got enough wine and cheese and food tastings, and then we can get your fix of racing as well. And we'll have some pictures up at WGNRadio.com of some of those views as well. And Jill, it is really, you know, since you've been there sort of leading the way, it, this is really the first one. California, more than most states, was proactive on a lot of the COVID precautions and, and protocols. And so this is be your first sort of full-on, fully open experience for people. Yeah, I mean, the fans are chomping at the bit to come back. You know, Dane, last year we were at 33% capacity. So we were one of the last states, I think the last state to kind of lift the COVID restrictions on big events like this outdoors. And the track was not in use at all in 2020. So, you know, some of our sister tracks were able to bring some racing back without fans or with reduced capacity, but we were completely shut down in 20. So we really haven't had a full crowd here since 2019. And you can imagine California race fans are just the same as they are in the Midwest. They want their racing. So they are really excited to be back at full steam. Yep. And the race day experience, that race weekend experience is such a big part of it all. We mentioned a little bit earlier, your California street cred, right? That you have going on there. But I got to say, leading the efforts at a track is more than just what happens when the, you know, the green flag and the, and the checker, there's so much, whether it's engaging in the community, whether it's understanding the marketing side, whether it's kind of on the cutting edge, being able to take advantage of trends and things that are happening out there. And so talk a little bit about your experience because 
is and for the listeners just to let them know so you've you know you've been in on the digital side of the nascar side you've been at the headquarters and some of the home offices that are running it as a series and from that perspective also on the corporate side with bank of america such a big part you know there is no other sport that really is run you know on the support of great sponsors more than motorsports and nascar and then on the foundation side as well you sit on the board for that so to have sort of that all those perspectives right that are built into all those moving parts at a speedway is is probably helpful yeah it's been really great i mean obviously my nascar experience has really served me well but you hit it on the head it's a whole different animal kind of being at the track level yes we have our big event weekend but you know a lot of what we do is know this is the same for other communities you know the local governments and the you know political team out here you know they want us to be a kind of a contributing member of the community and so what we do on a charity basis what we do you know the other you know 362 days when we're not running a nascar race is really important it helps us get the approvals to get things done to be able to host races to you know fund new investments out here because you know what we're really trying to do is reimagine this place and make all the improvements that the fans want to see and to do that it takes a lot of local support so there's a lot of work behind the scenes and a you know behind the curtain if you will when we're not running a nascar race i think my nascar experience has helped me but i've really had to learn the operational side of the business too so it's been an exciting year and i couldn't be more happy to be here yeah and before we let you go and again we'll have links up at wgnradio.com for all of that but speak to it as someone who's been in and around it that racing and specifically nascar racing it's as strong as it's been in, in in recent memory, right? I mean, your thoughts on that as as, as the country opens and, and racing is back in full force? Well, I'm so happy to hear you say that because, you know, I'm in, out here in Sonoma now, so I'm not in the thick of a lot of the kind of industry-wide decisions, but to see all the work that we had been doing to kind of make sure that this sport continued to grow and it's all coming to, to bear fruit right now is, is amazing. I mean, the next gen car and some of the schedule realignment and going to markets like St. Louis and, you know, strides that we've made with new team ownership with 2311 racing and track house. And I think it's just all of the momentum is so positive for NASCAR. And I know how much work has gone into that to make sure that we continue to provide the best racing and the best experience for the fans, it takes a lot of work. And to see that it's being successful and that NASCAR is continuing to grow and is on the upswing, I just love seeing it. Even though I'm out here and I'm a little bit farther (laughs) removed from the day-to-day, I know how much work went into it. And it's so exciting to see that the fans are responding so well. Let the listeners know we're talking with Jill Gregory. She's Executive Vice President and General Manager at Sonoma Raceway. She makes it seem like she's off. I'm so far away, you know, but she's right (laughs) where everybody wants to be. It is an aspirational destination for race fans, for tourists, for everybody making those road trips, a little longer road trips out to the West Coast and excited to have that happening. So as you guys get ready for the world of racing and all those eyes coming to you, where can people go for more information? about the raceway not only for this race weekend certainly for it and tickets but for all those other things that are happening throughout the year where can they go well we would love to have any and all visitors in your listening area Dave, to come out uh, we'll treat you to a good time and some great west coast hospitality you go to sonomaraceway.com or you can follow us at at race sonoma and obviously you can always call in Talk to one of our, our folks here at the track, 800-870-RACE, which is 
800-270-7223. So we would love to have you and please give us a call or follow us on our social media. Jill Gregory, thanks so much for everything you're doing for hosting the racing world. And thanks for jumping on the show today. Thanks for having me. Hope you guys have a great day. 720 WGN at a big race weekend here in Fort Road Americas. Thousands of listeners and fans are driving up as we speak. It's so great to have the defending IndyCar Series champion and defending race winner for Road America join us. He is, of course, the driver of the number 10 NTT Data Honda for Chip Ganassi Racing, the one and only Alex Palau. Welcome to WGN. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you. So, Alex, you know, you and I have talked about this year as defending series champ and now, you know, being a big fan favorite. So they're going to be really excited to see you today. But Road America is known as the National Park of Speed, and it's bar none in one of the greatest tracks in America, maybe the world. It's also your favorite track. So share why. Sure, of course, you love places that you win, but what is it about Road America that makes it special for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's my favorite track that we go to in the calendar. Um, it's a really nice uh, road course, super long, super challenging for the drivers with really high-speed corners, um, tight corners as well. So you have a lot on the same course. All the races that we go to, especially the past three, four years in IndyCar, it's been super exciting for the fans with different strategies and stuff. So cannot wait to see what this season holds for us, but uh, hopefully we can repeat the, the result we had last year. It's been a great season, pretty much. Fourth in point so far. You're running good. The team's clicking. You guys are, are you know, I'm guessing you're probably sort of where you want to be in the points for the number 10 team. For Ganassi, you guys all seem pretty strong. How, how do you feel? You know, you're all right there in the hunt for things. Yeah, I mean, we, we prefer to be P1 and leading the championship. But, um, yeah, P4 is good, and we are really close. It's still super tight uh, in the championship. I think it's everybody can win it. So it's about trying to do the best each weekend, each lap, each race, and, and hopefully we'll be for the hunt at the end of the of the season like we did last year. But, um, yeah, I think we're doing really good. Uh, we had really consistent start of the season, lots of podiums. So, yeah, we just need to continue how we're doing, continue building, and uh, hopefully we put ourselves in, in the best position possible. Yeah, you know, when some of those other teams are kind of scrambling for answers and making adjustments on the fly, it's good to have it be sort of it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Just stay the course, you know, and just kind of fine-tune things. And you guys are all right there. I think it just shows the cohesive nature of Team Ganassi. Everyone is, like, so excited and sort of blown away at the Indianapolis 500 where you guys were all there. It just shows everyone's on the same page. Yeah, I think Indianapolis 500 was a big statement by the team. Uh, I mean, we had five cars in, in the past 12 and four cars in the past six. And I don't know, the the work, the amount of work that everybody put in, the mechanics engineers and everybody back at the show was insane. So it was great also to share the, the team with uh, TK, with Jimmy Johnson, Scott Dixon and Marcus and ended up winning the race. So it was fun. We were fighting for the race at the beginning. We had one of the cautions when we were leading and we got dropped back to the end, but uh, it was great comeback and a great atmosphere that we got at the Indianapolis 500. So one of the great things about Road America is that they do, and they have for years, activities and promotions supporting veterans and first responders, and you're going to be running the American Legion livery today. Talk about getting together with the group, excitement for the car this week, a little bit of superstition maybe too, because this is the same car that you ran last year in your win. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I'm super proud to be 
able to represent entity data and American Legion. Uh, we're changing liveries uh, almost each rate, which is fun and it's awesome. So, yeah, we'll be having the American Legion card this, this weekend. Hopefully we can get the first uh, win of the season for that. So, Alisa, up at, uh, and we'll let you go in just a second. One last thing, though, it is Road America is the national park of speed. And you're going to be up there. You know, some tracks are in the middle of cities, right? Some are metropolitan areas, some are on the coast. This one's like in a forest. You're out there in the middle of, I don't want to say nowhere, but certainly nature. You know, there's like animals and campers and stuff. And growing up in Spain, I mean, and maybe even here this weekend, have you gotten a chance to camp a little bit? Did you make a campfire? Are you, are you guys making s'mores? Are you doing any of that sort of camping stuff that's so perfect at Road America? Yeah, of course. Um, not not s'mores, no campfire, but uh, I have my motorhome here, and it's, it's great. I mean, the atmosphere here at Road America is always uh, amazing, especially at night when uh, the sessions are over. And it's my first time having the motorhome here, so uh, it's been fun so far. Hopefully we can celebrate after the race as well. Oh, it's going to be great. Alex, so many people are pulling for you. It's great to have you here. That Road America for WGN, it's kind of like our home track. It's just over the border, but certainly a road trip away. So good luck to you. Good luck to the American Legion and everybody at Team Ganassi. And thanks for jumping on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much. Remember it like it was yesterday, cause it was. 720 WGN High atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio. Excited to have on the line one of country music's most beloved bands, platinum recording artists, multi-time Grammy Award nominees, and five-time Academy of Country Music Group of the Year. It's songwriter and singer for Old Dominion, the one and only Matthew Ramsey. Welcome to WGN. Hey, hey, how are you? Well, with all those accolades in the intro, we're going to have to include Chicago Resident coming up. You're uh, going to be joining Kenny Chesney for what's going to be a huge sold-out show June 25th at Soldier Field. Yeah, man. I mean, that is something we've been looking forward to for a long time. It's been a while since we've, you know, we've been there before with Kenny, so it's been a long time, so we're ready to come back. Now, you guys are out of the road now with big shows, big crowds. I cover a lot of the racing stuff. I was actually down at Worldwide Technology Raceway with you guys last weekend in the sold-out NASCAR Cup Series there. So talk about the excitement of being back on the road this summer, finally fully open. Fans are loving to get out and see it. I'm sure you guys are loving to see them, too. Oh, yeah, man. It's just been such a release for everybody, I think. You know, just everybody has been waiting for this for so long, and you know, you can really feel that energy when you hit the stage. People are just so overjoyed to be in that environment again. So especially in these stadium shows, it's just completely electric. It's amazing. Now, I always wondered this, and for the listeners, you know, you started out as a songwriter. You went to Nashville to write songs for other artists, certainly successful there. Some of the biggest names in music, Dirk Bentley, Keith Urban, Kenny Chesney, and more. It really makes me think of those great stars that started out as writers for like Saturday Night Live, like Conan O'Brien or Adam Sandler, Tina Fey, and then they went out and became huge actors. So when or how did you decide you would be the best one singing your songs? And here's one thing, too, is were you ever worried that, you know, before that you were maybe giving away some of your best stuff or did you just think, you know, you'll just make more? Yeah, we never really thought about that. We, You know, if you're if you're concerned that you may have giving away your last great song, then you should probably stop, you know? <laughs> so, so we, we got to keep writing and keep rolling and try and chase after what's next. But, you know, I think we just moved here. All of us sort of moved here to be songwriters and musicians with no real plan of being the actual artist. And it just, we've been friends for so long and we were playing music together as friends and creating music together as friends just for fun. 
And then we started to have success as songwriters and people started to go like, who are these guys playing in the bar down the street that are writing music for everyone else? And it just sort of happened. We didn't really make a decision of like, we should be the people that are doing this. You know, it was actually kind of a hard switch to flip in our brains. Once it started to, to like have success, we started to have to really train ourselves to think as artists and not as songwriters. Oh, that's so crazy. Let the listeners know we're talking with Matthew Ramsey from, from Old Dominion. But you think about it, right? Sometimes groups in the way that you perform, certainly you got that perspective as the writers are greater than the sum of the parts, right? It's more than just like you performing it is more than just the song. So you got your new album. It's time to kill in therapy. Talk a little bit about the inspiration for it. Already some big hits on it. Fans are loving it. And as you get out and play more of it, and this goes goes to what we just talked about do you have like an inner sense of which song as great as they are on the album maybe even better or more fun with fans live uh you know it's definitely something you take into consideration you know that album grew pandemic album you know we made it during the height of the lockdown and you know we took a trip to Asheville, north carolina and created our own little bubble there and spent three weeks writing and recording that whole album in the studio so that was sort of a project all in its own little you know, contained unit. And and then as you get out there and start sound checking songs, you figure out what's going to, you know, work live, what's not. But sometimes they do surprise you and, and the fans start requesting something that you didn't expect. <laughs> I mean, right? Because you're just like, well, you know, we sort of thought that was an afterthought, but hey, if you like it, let's go with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've definitely had songs where we were like, man, we didn't really expect to even be playing this song. You know, for prime example is um, Hotel Key. We, we wrote and recorded that song and we thought that's a cool song. Uh, and then all of a sudden it was like, wow, that's a big song. We didn't expect that. Wow. Well, <laughs> it just shows there's no substitute for being there. We're going to have links up at WGNRadio.com. And uh, we're even going to have a couple pairs of tickets for fans to get out and see you live at Soldier Field coming up on June 25th. Matthew Ramsey, thanks so much. Good luck on the road. Look forward to seeing you here in Chicago. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Can't wait to see you guys. Seven twenty WGN high atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio, but excited to have on the line one of the biggest and most beloved stars of the Food Network, award-winning filmmaker, restaurateur, author, chef, and the man leading away in another great race, great food truck race on Food Network. The one and only Tyler Florence. Welcome to WGN. Dane, so happy to talk to you again, man. Yeah, you know, every time we kick off. Uh, another great food truck race. I so look forward to talking to you, and I don't get a chance to talk to you enough. I think you're fantastic. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I hope you're doing. Just to let for a little context for the listeners too is for for Tyler in this show. I go all the way back to when Grill 'em All won. Like those were the first interviews that we had done with it. It was one of the early ones with the show itself for those. So it goes all the way back for it. And you guys have done this program over the course of it, and and a testament too on the television side just to the longevity of a program like this. You've done it all over the country, but and for the listeners that may not know, Tyler's courses. She's one of the faces of California, great ambassador of the state. But this year. It's a home game. Yeah, without a question. Yeah. So season 15, the Great Food Truck Race, Sunday, 9 o'clock, 8 central. And it, it is such a good time. But like the show, it has never been better. The cast is so interesting this season. The food is amazing. So we, we, we thought about doing this like a simple race, almost like a, like a Beach Boys, like surfing safari or food truck and safari. You know, we, we just we started in uh, started up in Malibu and went all the way down to San Diego, 
And, uh, you know, lots of great stops in between. You know, the food was fantastic. The weather was warm. It felt very beachy, obviously. And it was just a good time. The, the action is going to happen in California. It's going to be a nice kickoff to summer for the viewers as well. But the teams, as usual, right, are from all across the country. you got Jersey, Atlanta, Toledo, Daytona, San Francisco involved there, even a Chicagoland area place. So you still got great people yeah. from all over the country. Great teams this season, right? And uh, we, we had uh, a girl, all-female team called Girls Got Balls, <laughs> if you can imagine that, from Chicago. And, uh, and they made meatballs. And they were so delicious, um, such a good competitor, really, really great food, funny, and, and they're just like a blast to be around. And uh, we, had, hey, we had teams out of Toledo, Ohio, you said before. And, and the food is at a different level this season. The food with such great competitors, and the food looked incredibly delicious because it was, and the crowds were crazy. And we went everywhere. Have you ever heard of uh, Glamis Dunes? California, do you, you know about that, like the doom buggy capital of America? <laughs> no, I mean, everybody loves a good doom buggy, but no, I wasn't familiar. I'm, I'm going to send you a link to it, because I think it's, it's right after your alley. I think it's, it's, and this is the fun thing, what I like to do about the show, because we all have been someplace I've never been before, right? And I've been all over the state of California. I've been all over, I've been all over everywhere. But, uh, so this is like a little subsect. This is like a, like a natural desert. This, uh, it's obviously not the size of the Sahara, but it's, you could get lost in it, and it's massive. Uh, called Glamis Dunes, and it's just above the border of Mexico. And and every, like, starts in the winter, because obviously it gets too hot during the summer. But there's a whole, like, group of people, I mean, massive, hundreds of thousands of people, go out there every single year to race these super expensive dune buggies, like, through, through the sand. And, and they're, they're, it's, like, death-defying, like, doing huge, fantastic jumps, you know, like, and so we got a chance to race for them. That was a good time. It was a long stop. And so the, the, the team got really creative this year and kind of came to some fantastic spots, got in and around Southern California, and, and of course, ended up in San Diego, which is such a great city to be in, too. But, um, but season 15, man, I mean, we've been around for a long time. I've uh, been around talking to you about it for a long time. And uh, the show's never been better. Never been better. It's it's good to kick it up one more time. So, Tyler, have the contestants, you know, they watch the shows, too, and they learn kind of what works, what resonates, what's easy, what's executable. Has, you know, you have meatballs are obviously in on this. Have you seen, is there like a trend, you know, if you had sort of the schematics of when people come in, here's the type of cuisine or food that seems to be successful on the show and, and that they're able to execute? Is there any kind of thing that, like, this year's team, you know, has learned from all the other successful seasons? You know, we've had lots of great concepts over the years, right? Like, uh, like Waffle Love, Salt Lake City. You know, they just have a good uh, Liege-style Belgian waffle with, like, crispy sugar bits and nice kind of malted, you know, yeasto. Um, they dominated one year uh, with, with really amazing food. We had, you know, we've had uh, Fa as a really good, you know, subject matter for a truck, an all-girl girl team. Uh, and, and that was the season we wrapped it up in Chicago. And, uh, and then I, I think what was ultimately the most successful, just because I think it just fits, is anything in like the taco world, right? And you, and you can even do like, like interesting mashups, if it's like plant based or if it's a sushi rito or anything in that world. But I always feel like that's like the, that's the genre that always just, just destroys, right? Anything that kind of feels like what I like to call vacation flavors, you know, like things you want to taste on vacation. Like those are always the most successful shows. 
So you're going to get the chance to see, and of course the viewers are going to get a chance to see some great places in, in California, all that action and fun and competition that happens, but you're adding in some other great friends in the chef world as two chef Antonio LaFaso is going to be in on things too. So people should look forward to that for sure. Yeah. And, and, and she's killing it too, right? I mean, she's on every show right now. She just posted the Julia Child experience, which is an amazing series on, on Food Network. And, and she, she's, and she's been around for a while, kind of like, you know, just simmering just below the surface, but it kind of feels like a breakout year. And it couldn't happen to a nicer person. I'm, I'm such a huge fan of hers. And, and she's, she's the, the queen of Venice, California. She's like, you know, the big chef there. And so she got a chance to hang out with us for a while. And then also, if you remember Lime Truck from season two, they, they make cameos, sort of soul sauces. They, they pop in, uh, from LA. And so, so we, we had, it was, it felt like a mini reunion <laughs> in, in a lot of ways because we had so many, so many great trucks come through, but you know it, it's a rock and roll business show, right? So if, if you if you like business, if you love business, if you like food, if you love food trucks, everybody's going to get something out of it, right? And I think a lot of people like to kind of armchair quarterback, kind of like what would you do in the circumstances, you know? Because like, would, would, like, would you go there? Would you spend this money on that? You know, when would you start? When would you go? And some of the infighting too, and this is where the, like the like the contestants get lost in the game and they kind of forget the cameras are up. Because like the infighting at this 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 particular season is kind of kind of crazy, you know what I mean? It's well, kind of crazy. Well, I, 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 it, it's not. Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying, there's a lot on the line, Tyler. You know, this is a big deal. It's fifty thousand dollars, but then also like sometimes they just kind of forget there's a camera, <laughs> and it's, it's not my job to, to remind them or break the fourth wall of like you know maybe you shouldn't say that, but uh, but they they all just sort of kind of let it let it go. They all just like they just really kind of let it loose. So uh, there's like two twin sisters from San Francisco that are fierce competitors, and they're, they they cook South African cuisine, which I thought was really compelling, very very interesting. Yeah. You know, kind of you know, it was interesting hybrid between like Indian curry and like Lebanese shawarma. It was kind of this like mashup thing with like some unique ingredients that I have not tried before, but it felt familiar, but it felt different all at the same time. It was very interesting. And yeah, I mean, we had, we had one team that made rolled out fresh pasta on the truck uh, from from New Jersey. That's artisanal pasta, like just like this hot shot chef, his fiance, and their their best friend, and then they just crushed it. Uh, they were so much fun, really, really fierce competitors. But uh, but as always, you know, fifty thousand dollars on the line. Yeah. It's an elimination competition show. So whoever makes the most money wins the city. Whoever makes the least amount of money, unfortunately, I take their keys. And then we, you know, we start with nine, end with one, and uh, it's just so much fun. And everybody gets a chance to cheer for somebody. It's like somebody for everybody. Yeah, uh, it, it's such a fun. Uh, yeah, it's the number one show on the network every summer. So it, it's it's nice to kind of kick it off early because normally it starts um, in August, that's August September. But uh, we're kicking it off in June now. We're gonna own the summer, baby. It's gonna be good. What's great about it too is, like you mentioned, there is something for everybody around the country. Some representation on the cuisine side, a little bit of something for everybody. It builds in sort of. You could put yourself in there. Not everybody can see themselves, you know, on Iron Chef or another show, but we can see ourselves on the beach, or we could see ourselves making the meatballs or the pasta or whatever. And then you got the business side of it too, which in this day and age is something that everybody's paying attention to. It just hits on so many things. So Tyler and 
let the listeners know we're talking with the one and only Tyler Florence. And oftentimes, Tyler, we'll talk about TV. You mentioned the word reunion, though, so it makes me think of, you know, of course, on the restauranting side. We just had National Restaurant Association show here in Chicago. It was jam-packed. It was hopping. People know, of course, in San Francisco, the iconic Wayfair Tavern there. And Miller & Lux is, you know, up and going and rolling. And a reunion, right, for people to get together at restaurants around the country, celebrate. And I've seen some of the things celebrating at Golden State's back in the finals. Oh, I, you know, I, I'm such a huge uh, basketball fan. So the fact that we've got a steakhouse at the Chase Center in San Francisco when the Warriors finals one more time. Let's just bring, we'll bring it home one more time and, <laughs> uh, and have game five in it. So, so we have a brand new amazing steakhouse. I think it in, in San Francisco. One of the real crowning jewels of, of my career. It's an incredibly special restaurant. We're gunning for a mission star. You know, the, the food is incredible. The service now on behalf has got to be up Really inspiring on all cylinders right now. Uh, never been a better experience. And then the energy of the arena with the Warriors winning like they're winning right now. It's a magical time in San Francisco. It really, really is. And we were just on uh, TNT, uh, NBA on TNT with uh, Shaq and Charles Barkley. <laughs> And Kenny and Ernie, it was a blast, right? Because that whole thing came together in, in like, you know, about four hours in the afternoon. They reached out one if I want to do it. I'm like, are you joking me? Absolutely. Because I'm just such a huge basketball fan, you know? And, and I always have been ever since I was a little kid. So, so the, to, just to be so close with the Warriors, because the Warriors are our partner in the project. So it's, it's where the, the, the players come after the game. And it's just, it's an incredible experience. Um, if you love steak, if you love San Francisco, if you're, and that's exactly the word that comes to you. It's a great restaurant. It's easy to be a, a basketball fan when your team is as good as Golden State. So you guys are blessed in a, in a big way, and it's awesome to see blessed. just restaurants, blessed. you know, coming back everywhere, you know, and in such a big way and in full yeah. force, too. It's just... So well, listen, I, I, I grew up like, you know, watching the GN in South Carolina, you know, Greenville, South Carolina. Like, the Bozo Show was my thing. And the last time, <laughs> was, was it the last time I was in Chicago? Because I, I, I haven't traveled in a minute, obviously, because of COVID. So the last time I was there, you ready? we went to the WGM Studios because I, I, we did a promo for whatever I was my movie, right? yeah. And the town for a crush right? And uh, and then some one of the producers heard I was just such a huge Bozo fan, and they pulled out the grand prize game and they let me play it. Oh man, that is like that's that is high praise, Tyler. If you get a chance to do that they grand prize game. I mean, it was crazy. So the studio for Bozo was so small. They only look allowed 50. So kids would sign up, you know, when they were like eight. And maybe when they were in high school, they got to go. For you to do that, it's really cool. And, yeah, in the Bozo studio, pulling out the grand prize game, and they let me play it. So it was just me and like, like two or three of the people that was with, I think. And, and, and nobody else really got it. I, I guess I was a little, I'm a little older. But I was just like having this like moment as a kid. I'm like, I'm playing the grand prize game, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to swim. Uh, bicycle and a trip to uh, the Wisconsin Dells or that. Or Bill or where it, was nice. it was just so, it was just so, it was so great. Anyway, so I, I love WGN. Wow. You know, obviously, huge Cubs fan too growing up. And, 
And uh, you, know, you guys just do such good stuff. Oh, we, well, we love that Chicago. Chicago gets a bad rap sometimes, deservedly, but it's nice to see us rolling out the red carpet, and you can see that softer side, allowing Tyler Florence to be able to play one of the iconic games, the grand prize game with Bozo. So that's nice to hear some good stuff about Chicago and some of the experiences here for sure. So, Tyler, we'll let you get back to it. We are excited. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com for everything coming up with the great food truck race, the season happening in California on the Food Network. And, uh, and thanks for jumping on the show today. You guys, you guys, uh, so great talking to you, man. Be sure to watch tonight the Great Food Truck Race on the Food Network. We're going to take a break, and we come back a little something special that is close to home. We're going to have uh, the Cooper's Hawk founder, Tim McHenry, along with Roman chef Luca Issa, and they've got a new place that is going to blow your mind that is opening today, so stay tuned. We'll be back. It's Dane and for Dean, 720 WGN. WGN is Dane here with you until 1 p.m. today talking a little bit of fast, talking a little bit of food, and it is not every day, even in a city that is a great restaurant city, one of the greatest ones, on the weekend for the James Beard Award that we can uh, talk a little food and history at the same time. Excited to have on with us the CEO of Cooper's Honk Winery and Restaurants, the one and only Tim McHenry, and then Chef Luca Issa from, uh, I mean, this is great to have you guys on. Guys, welcome to WGN. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning. I am okay. This is a big day. This is opening day for something that I know is going to change people's, um, I think it's going to change people's world in a lot of different ways. And so, Tim, talk a little bit about it. And this is one of the things. So for Cooper's Hawk and the people out there that know and love, whether it's the hundreds of thousands in the wine club or 49 locations, what Tim does and what he has done in the wine world is make it more approachable, bring it to more people, and just kind of give people what they want on the fan side. So, Tim, talk a little bit about, if you could sort of set the stage and how you met Luca, you were traveling, and just what people are in store for coming up at Oak Brook later on today. No, thank you, Dane. Uh, yeah, we're crazy excited about what we've got going on, bringing what, what we consider probably, if not the best, one of the best pizzas in all of Rome and, and throughout Italy. Um, but kind of like what we did with, with uh, you know, Napa Valley, right, bringing it to where the people are. That's what we're, uh, we're trying to do with uh, Pico Labuco. Uh, my fiance and I, uh, made a trip to Rome. Uh, I was excited to take her there. She spends, you know, I, I feels like a couple of days doing the research of where we're going to eat, you know, and, and I'm sure you appreciate most important part of travel, right, is where, where you're going to eat. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so uh, she, she said, we're going to Piccolo. And we went there, waited in line for about an hour and a half uh, to come to Luca's restaurant, saw the pizza, I, you know, and, and again, we've been in the restaurant business for over 30 years, you know, traveled the world, and I'd never seen pizza like this, especially being from Chicago. And and it was just unbelievable the look, the you know how it tasted, the, the uniqueness, and and so I saw Luca. Um, you know I, he was obviously the owner because it was him and one guy running the whole place. And and I said to him, I said, hey, have you ever uh, considered bringing this to the United States? It's unbelievable. And you know, and he's like, oh man, you know, I'd love to, but you know, it's it's so hard. You know, how, how do you even do something like that? And I said. Hey, maybe, uh, you know, we have a little restaurant business in the United States. You know, Jeez. if I can ever help you, you know, let me know. And and uh, he took a look at the website, you know, that night or the day later, sent me an email, came to the United States about 30 days later, and we kind of shook on it. And uh, 
Uh, COVID dragged it out, of course, but two and a half years later, here we are. You know what is it? You got to think that's what a great opportunity. It's almost like, you know, like for, for Chef Luca, it's, uh, you know, this is him winning in a bunch of different ways, but he feels he's knocking it out of the park in Rome there, you know, and everybody understands where they're from. He probably didn't understand exactly what it was, but the real winners are going to be the diners. So we're going to welcome in Chef Luca Issa, of course, over there at Piccolo Buco. So Chef, when, when Tim said that, when he said, Hey, let's bring it to America, did you have any idea? idea that this is the real deal and it's going to happen so good morning to everybody uh, <clears throat> when he came at the restaurant uh, it was a, a very nice feeling to meet a very nice person also the fiance Lisa, a very nice person so like tim say i i took the business card and i went to the website to check uh, all the information uh, what team doing here in the U.S., uh, what the, the Cooper Sock means for the, for the U.S., uh, and when I discovered this, uh, uh, this world, this company, which is, is a company made by a humble, humble person, I said I need to go there and figure out if it's possible doing or not. So after his uh, invitation, I took a flight to Chicago, I flew to Chicago to meet them, to meet the gang, to meet the company, and after one day I said, yes, this is the right partner. You know what, and this isn't necessarily, and for the listeners too, it's not just a concept that's based on an idea or even, is you guys are doing it in the most authentic way, and so, Tim, if you can talk about it too, because, you know, that's one of the things that people love about Cooper's Hawk on the food side is that, you know, the ingredients and just everything is just at a, at a very high level. This is different because you have ingredients that are from Italy that you've got to bring back in order to really recreate all of that stuff. So talk about the mindset, not only to make this new kind of pizza, but do it in the authentic way. Yeah, and that's that's the, the key for sure was authenticity. Um, you know, it came up more than one time from, uh, you know, business people and such, you know, well, why don't you just try to make uh, a pizza, you know, similar to what Luca's making? And, and that's not... Well, that's not how we roll at Cooper's Hawk, and, and for sure not what we were trying to do. So every aspect of what we did here at Piccolo was, you know, it was either identical or inspired by everything that Luca does with the pizza. So the ingredients for sure, and Luca can speak to, you know, the unique tomato sauces. You know, uh, I don't think anyone, um, I shouldn't say anyone, but 99% of people have not had yellow tomato sauce from 100% yellow tomatoes from Italy, right? So it's unbelievable. You probably had it the other night. Um, you know, the, uh, the sausage recipes, the, uh, the, the unique olive oils uh, that are just incredible and just brighten everything that they touch uh, from, a, from a menu standpoint. And, you know, even from the tile and the look and, and, and everything we did in the restaurant was all inspired by um, what Luca did in, in the most authentic way. I mean, that's what... That's what we try to do on the wine program with, with our food. You know, we spend – people go out to eat, to eat, right? So the food, the wine, the beverage program is what we spend 90% of our time on at Cooper Sock, just making it great and craveable. And that's why uh, that's why Luca's here. And, and, and just in Luca's, to give him credit, he's, he's here for like 90 days. He's been here for 45 <laughs> days before opening day today to make sure that the pizza is perfect, just like in Rome. And he's sticking around for another month to make sure that the pizza is perfect. And that's, uh, I think, a credible testament to him. And Because uh, he didn't have to do that. You know, he could have came in and taught us how to do it and head to back. But he's uh, oh, we're yeah. having a lot of 
Yeah. No, you're right, Tim. He's he's totally invested in making sure that everybody understands exactly what needs to be done and how to do it. And it's happening over there at 1818 Oakbrook Center. So Oakbrook Mall, where everybody knows is Pico Labuca, and people I think in Chicago feel like they know pizza, right? We feel like we know it. But Chef Luca, this is like something totally different. Talk a little bit about, so it's Neapolitan pizza, and we have some of that here, but not done exactly this way. So talk about some of the favorites that you would suggest for people when they visit you today and this summer so the our pizza that we uh, try to bring here in chicago from rome uh, it's a kind of evolution of the neapolitan pizza in the last uh, maybe 10 years some three or four pizza maker they start to give uh, a new face or they uh, start to take a new way to 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 do a pizza in italy and they after different attempts, they arrived at this kind of evolution with a very big crust between fluffy and crispy, very airy, very well raised, very light, and our pizza is all about this and about using the best ingredients on Italian market, and this is exactly what we are, are doing here, exactly the same. So, Tim, tell, like, share people, share with people um, whether it's the website or where people can see it, I know that it is going to be happening. And for the listeners, too, understand you're going to have that pizza, but there's full pasta, there's a bar program, and, of course, wine is front and center as well. So, Tim, share the location and when people can come out and visit. Yeah, well, we're opening up just minutes away, 15 minutes. Uh, I, we started to see a few folks uh, hanging by the front door, which is incredibly exciting. Um, but, but you're right. It's, uh, you can go to the website. Of course, the easy way is just to hit the Cooper Sock website and you'll get taken to Piccolo, um, or you can, uh, just, you know, Google Piccolo Buco and it'll pop up by Cooper Sock. Uh, and you can also check out the one in Rome too. Uh, it's, it's pretty comparable. And, and, and to your point, uh, Dane, you know, of course we've got the pizzas, but we've got a beautiful menu, um, all inspired by and or collaborating with Luca on the food side. So incredible classic pastas. You know, we've got this killer short rib recipe, some great fish dishes, the, the, the desserts. Uh, if you leave here without having a dessert, as you know, I think uh, it would be, be a sin. So. <laughs> the tiramisu is, is absolutely incredible. I know you guys are going to have a big hit on your hands there, and it all starts today in just a few minutes, 1818 Oakbrook Center out at Oakbrook Mall, and it is Pico Lubuco by Cooper's Hawk. And so congratulations, Tim, on another great concert. Congratulations, Chef Luca Issa. You guys are going to have your hands full with this one. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having you back out. All right. Thanks, guys. Wow. I got to tell you, get out there, check it out. It is going to be maybe crowded today. Definitely sit through the uh, the lines. And of course, out there at Oakbrook, it's going to be great. We're going to take a break and we come back. We'll have more. It's Dane and Ferdine on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio. And as the racing world converges on, Wisconsin fans are headed up to Road America for the IndyCar Series race. And we'll have defending winner and IndyCar Series champ Alex Palau on with us. And uh, excited coming up in July, July 12th for the 43rd WABM Slinger National Super Late Models. They'll have the trucks there as well. And excited to have on the line a guy with 343 starts, 109 wins, 13-time track and series champion on asphalt and dirt, and the all-time winning is SRL Southwest Tour driver, the one and only Derek Thorne. Welcome to WGN. 
Hey, Dane, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. It's awesome to have you on. This is a great time to be a racer. It always has been your entire career. Lots and lots of success for fans. It's as big as it gets with all of these events open. There is so much excitement. You know, there is. You know, the Slinger Nationals uh, for us is our next race, the Super Late Models. And uh, looking forward to being back in Wisconsin. You know, I think Wisconsin, Midwest fans throughout the country are some of the most passionate and fun to be around. And uh, I've never raced in the Slinger Nationals. But uh, I lived in Wisconsin for a couple of years and worked just down the street. Met a lot of awesome people when I lived back there. Some of the nicest people you could ask for. It'd be cool to be back in Wisconsin. I haven't seen a lot of them in over 10 years. So it's almost a homecoming of sorts. Wow. For us to be back in Wisconsin and just looking forward to the whole experience. They're so excited to see you there. And you hit on it too, Derek, is that in some of these places we think of, a lot of times, you know, the spotlight gets on some of these major markets and major bigger kind of series. But the hotbed of racing, the real heartbeat of it is in the communities. We were down at Worldwide Technology Raceway just last week and it is jammed. I mean, there are so many great race fans there and the dirt track there and i was out with you at irwindale earlier this year as well and it was jammed so much excitement wisconsin's gonna love having you yeah i hope so you know i think uh, the race fans at the moment it seems like racing the short track racing from my perspective is you know it's just it's definitely you know, on the uptick it seems like people are really really passionate about it a lot of fans are coming out to watch you know with racing america and flow tv having all that stuff to be able to broadcast it and have people be able to even tune in from home if they can't make it you know, it brings a level of excitement, you know, and when you have guys, you know, like the Slinger Nationals bringing a lot of great drivers and stuff um, from around the country. So I feel like when you bring us from the West Coast, guys from the Southeast, Midwest, and all throughout those regions, you know, I think it kind of brings the short track community together um, and brings a lot of different perspectives to the sport. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, is that with all of those different drivers there, we're also bringing in El Bandito Yankee, which is, you know, our Chicago listeners know it's the official tequila of Raceway. It'll be large and in charge and up there with you as well. Now, unlike any other sport, right, motorsports has, you know, sponsors and that great partner relationships. It's essential, right? And so it's great to have great partners. Any sponsor is good, but this is a fun one. Yeah, it is. You know, El Bandito Yankee, have them come aboard, you know, it's really fun for us and i really appreciate it for them to, to put faith in us to represent their brand and you know they're doing a lot behind the scenes at slinger um to be a big part of that race and um we'll be representing them on the track you know while they're having a good time off the track you know we'll be having a good time trying to represent them and, and put our best foot forward but to have them on board for a race like that you know i think is it's a lot of fun and i'm hopefully uh hopefully we can bring a lot of attention to their brand so one of the big races is tuesday there's a bunch of action coming up the few days before as well and you got the el bandito green flag party that's going to be happening are you going to be up there the whole time are you just coming in for the race you'll be there a few days before a lot of fans would love to spend some time with you leading up yeah no we do we have a lot of sponsors coming to town that week we're there for probably six days in total uh CJ wow. racing um we're partnered up with him this year to run his equipment at the nationals um through campbell motorsports as we are out of california so it'll be fun to partner with them come back to wisconsin meet all the fans meet all the sponsors hang out wisconsin from what i've learned in the past is just such a big family right it is such a great group of people to have fun with um so looking forward to not only racing and taking it serious but letting her hair down a little bit you know on the backside with el bandito yankee and uh pepper jack kennels the tool shack um all of our friends and stuff that'll be there so hopefully we can all hang out have a good time and uh you know obviously having a good run on the racetrack is a big part of it but on the backside hopefully we have a good time at the same time <laughs> yeah everything in moderation i you know you want to be able to to enjoy and show the sponsor that you're supportive but you know everything in moderation especially right. maybe leave some of that to the fans as well for this race weekend we talked about wisconsin those connections your connections in california as well racing nascar will be out at sonoma do you get a chance you know because for slinger we're going to have matt kenseth of course nascar and of course wisconsin roots william byron's going to be there eric jones are you going to be maybe checking out the action at sonoma maybe getting 
getting out there and visiting some friends and seeing some NASCAR racing? Grew up about an hour from there, and uh, growing up, dude, that was that was my my passion. Right? My dad, we'd race on Friday nights at dirt track, and we'd be up at four a.m. to leave to beat the crowd on Sunday to go watch Jeff Gordon and Tony Stewart beat it out and stuff like that. But I got the opportunity to race some Canyon stuff or Arca stuff there, you know, a handful of years ago. But with the way the super late model stuff is, we don't really go up there, and it's about a six hour drive. And with our schedule and stuff this year, I just don't have the time to go up there, unfortunately. But as a kid, the truck series at Sonoma was always a dream of mine. Like, I, I don't know why. Like, they never raced there, but I was always like, that would be the coolest thing. And it was really cool to see, fast forward probably 15, 20 years since I had that dream. It's cool to see them at that track doing that bit in front of some local fans, in front of my hometown fans, per se, being that I grew up so close. Yeah, it's one of those things, like with all, with all the different series in motorsport, whether it's super late model, whether it's the, the Indy car, whether it's a NASCAR, whether it's any of that stuff. One of the great things about racing in motorsports is not only for the drivers, but for the fans, it's an opportunity to see America in so many different places. And you guys will be, you know, right there headlining in Wisconsin coming up on July 12th. So Derek, we'll let you get back to it before we let you go for people. And of course, we'll have links up at WGNRadio.com for the Speedway and for tickets as they are there and certainly some of those extra events, but for, social media and some of the cool things you're doing where can people go uh yeah facebook and twitter derek thorne six is uh how they can kind of reach me and stuff but just got a lot of good things going on this year you know we've had some great partners that stepped up that allowed us to kind of run the schedule we're running we'll run out here on the west coast southeast midwest some over in north carolina some up in washington state so looking forward to taking our partners this year just running around and hopefully uh throughout the year we'll meet new fans new faces or race in the regions where these people can come out and check us out and come say hi one of the all-time greats, and he'll be right there in Wisconsin, just a, a little north of us as well, coming up for the Slinger Nationals. So, Derek, we'll let you get back to it. Thanks so much for everything you're doing. Thanks for coming to Wisconsin. Thanks for jumping on yeah. the show today. Appreciate it, Dane. Thanks again for everything, Bob. 720 WGN, high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio, and excited to have on the line one of the biggest stars in racing and one of NASCAR's very best, a two-time Xfinity champion, driver with five appearances in the Cup Series Championship 4 and the 2017 NASCAR Cup Series champion, driver of the number 19 Bass Pro Shops Toyota Camry TRD for Joe Gibbs Racing, Martin Truex Jr., welcome to WGN. Yeah, good to be on. How are you? It's great to yeah. have you back. One of the great things about NASCAR, though, and for fans who travel with the sport, is along with following their favorite drivers and teams, they get to see America. You know, all the way from your home state of New Jersey and amazing destinations this week, not only for motorsports, but also food, wine, beautiful scenery out in California. As the season continues, and really the first one in the last few years that has been fully open for you and like Sherry, outside of the stuff that happens on the track, you know, your excitement maybe to get out in Sonoma and see some things and maybe other places along the way. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to, uh, you know, get to go all travel around the country and see all the different places. Sonoma is obviously a beautiful destination and uh, Sherry's not going this year, but in the past we've, you know, done the exploring and checking everything out and all that good stuff. So pretty part of the country, obviously one of my favorite tracks as well. Yeah, there is no doubt. For a, for a number of reasons, we'll get to those. Looking at the sellout in, in St. Louis, and then you look at, of course, the Indy 500 totally sold out. Formula One in Miami sold out in like 11 minutes. Racing is as strong as ever. So for you, you're a guy whose career seen seeing those full stands in the 2000s, the challenges of the last few years at some tracks, and you're living this resurgence. What do you attribute the enthusiasm and excitement for in racing? I don't know. That's a good question. I think, I, I guess a lot of it is just, um, you know, I think COVID was a reminder of how lucky we are to, to get to do all these fun things. And, uh, you know, I think everybody got cooped up there for a while and 
said the heck with it. We're not doing this anymore. So uh, get out and enjoy life and have fun and, and do, you know, do different things, do things that are fun and exciting. So uh, I feel like that's some of it. But um, aside from that, I think, you know, just racing in general is getting popularity again for, for whatever reason. So I think it's good for all of us. And, and obviously, uh, you know, for me, I, I've been a race fan all my life. So I'm, I'm happy to see that, you know, people are enjoying racing and, and all the series around the, the country are doing well and, and all the racetracks are doing well. Hopefully we can, uh, you know, get it back to where we're, we're opening uh, some new short tracks and new local tracks and things like we used to have. So uh, we'll see how that goes. But yeah, it's all positive right now. Yeah, and you're seeing a place like St. Louis that is just a hotbed for racing. There, before they even got that cup date, they worked on it for about 10 years. They have like over 200 dates on the schedule, and there's a you know dirt track not too far from there. Their NHRA schedule is, is really packed and super well attended. Do you think that's something that NASCAR should look at, too? Instead of always kind of looking at where's the big cities, where's the big markets, look for maybe the big racing cities where there's just a huge population of fans. Yeah, I think that's a good approach. Obviously, you know, you want to you want to put the races where the fans are and where, where people are going to go. But I mean, these, this day and age, especially this season, it seems like everywhere we go has been, been crowded and packed and, and record crowds, um, especially, you know, compared to the last few years. So it's good. It's all good. It's positive. And, uh, you know, obviously everybody in the industry is happy about that. Our sponsors are excited about it and, you know, definitely, uh, healthy, uh, all across the board these days. Yeah, NASCAR is going more places for the fans, even with dirt and, of course, the expanded road courses. You know, gone are the days where, where drivers, some drivers and teams, just completely ignore it. You just have Boris said run the races for mm-hmm. you, <laughs> you know, and you just kind of work around it. But for you personally, obviously a good road course driver, Sonoma, this is one you've won multiple races here. Talk about that. Do you see it as, you know, you look on the schedule, you see road courses, do you see that as an opportunity to gain some ground? Or is it just something you maybe you're not really super excited about, you're just good at? No, I mean, I always, I've always looked forward to those races. And I think to your point years ago, you know, there was only two, well, I guess two road courses back in the day. And, you know, I think for the most part, there was a handful of guys that, that really, uh, enjoyed it. And the rest of the field was like, yeah, we're just going to go do these two races and, and <laughs> try to do the best we can and get the heck out of there and go back to some mobile races. But, you know, these days with, uh, you know, having so many road courses on the schedule and, you know, obviously with the playoff point system and all that stuff, I mean, you got to be good everywhere and, uh, they're, they're important races. So for me, it's, um, it's been fun to, to have some new tracks and new things get added. And, and, uh, I've always enjoyed road courses. I actually started out my first, my first, uh, go-kart racing days were all on road courses. So something I've enjoyed since, uh, since I was a kid. And fortunately, we've, uh, been able to, you know, have some success, uh, at the top level here and, and on the road courses, especially at Sonoma. Yeah, and do you think, I mean, nowadays, of course, it's It's easier, right, when you had to do that through the karting and then even get out and do some of the testing. It was hard, right? So it wasn't even just something that was difficult to do. It was difficult to get that practice in now with simulators and everything. How how do you do it? Do you just rely on your experience and the fact that you know these courses and you run them well? Or do you, you know, are you in the simulators or you do anything else or sort of different based on technology available? Yeah, these days, the simulators, we we all use Toyota has a great one. And, and I was actually in there uh, getting ready for Sonoma. So when it's, I guess when it's a track that you know and you've been to and you understand, it's more about, you know, the car and for the team and trying to figure out, you know, what the setup needs to be or is there things that maybe we could do to get better. And, and it's kind of a test session because we can't go to the track and test anymore. So we, we try to do the best we can with that. And then, you know, obviously when we go to a new road course, um, the simulator is a huge tool to learn the racetrack. So, it just depends. It's different uh, for all of them, but for Sonoma, it was just more of uh, you know we've got a new car this year. We got five years instead of four. We got different brakes and all kinds of things. So getting a feel for what this car 
possibly could be like uh, at Sonoma to try to have a heads up because you know we'll, we only get 15 minutes of practice, so yeah, uh, not going to be a whole lot of time to get acclimated and make changes on the race car. One of the big debates that fans have is that you know whether you've got a talented driver if they just don't have the best equipment. And you see something like you look at like a Kyle Larson, right, who had good equipment with Ganassi, but then he gets with Hendrick and and just really shines. But you see that. You know, that top sort of team photo of drivers doesn't change all that much. You've been one of those best drivers, regardless if you didn't have a top team or the best equipment. You're right there. And there's always that debate with fans, whether it's the equipment or it's the driver or it's both. My thought is, is that I just think there's a certain talent level and you don't necessarily see those jumps where you see somebody gets into a different piece of equipment. Then all of a sudden they're contending for championships. Yeah, I mean, it it takes both, right? I mean, it's a team sport. It takes uh, every every aspect of the team, the cars, the driver, you name it, everything has to be clicking. And, um, you know, when you just sometimes you get in the right situation, you get with the right people, you get with the right team, all those things start clicking. Next thing you know, you're winning races and your confidence is up and everybody's having a good time. And it just kind of snowballs from there. So we've seen instances uh, go in both directions. We've seen drivers getting good equipment and not get the job done. And we've seen, you know, all different kinds of things. It's just, it's just, everybody has to click. It's a team. And you've seen, you know, in other sports, you know, you have the, you get this team that drafts all these great players and they have this roster and everybody's like, Oh my God, they can't lose. And then they can't, you know, and they go out there and actually can't even win because they don't work together well. So it's, it's, it's a lot about personalities and, and people getting along and pulling that rope in the same direction. And for me, for me, I've had, you know, obviously great teams over the years and, and been lucky for that, but um, it takes everything. Great people too. what they didn't realize, right? Martin is like, all you got to do is get Tom Brady. And then you just win. <laughs> you could not make the playoffs for ten years. Get Tom Brady, boom, you're you're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. One of the things that I mean, one of the benefits of being with Joe Gibbs is that you get to really focus on driving. You're not there worrying about the sponsorships and the teams and just all that drama that can be built into running and living in a race team. And one of the other things that you've always done is utilize that platform for a higher purpose with the Martin Truex Junior Foundation and the stuff that you do with Sherry and all that stuff. And so, talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that because that's excitement. And you guys, you know, every driver has his kind of causes and things that he's supportive and passionate about you guys take it to another level with what you're doing well thank you i think we uh we put a lot of effort into it obviously we have a great a great team at the foundation you know making these things happen putting it all together and and figuring out ways to raise money so we can we can do these great things and um you know right now like there man we got so much stuff going on Uh, our next big event's not for a while now i don't think it's not till the catwalk in in the fall but um you know, just to be able to build all these hospitals and the Sherry Strong Integrative Clinics and the things that we're working on today. I, I, when we first started this thing back in 07, I can't even, you know, I could never imagine just how much money we'd be able to raise through our fans and sponsors and just people really caring about what we're doing and, and be able to, you know, put that much money to work for a good cause. So they're building a pediatric wing here in Huntersville, right near Joe Gibbs Racing right now. It just... Yep. Kind of got that going. That was our, our latest. And then Sherry Strong Integrative Clinics going on down in Florida. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So, uh, just thankful, thankful to be able to do all these things and help a lot of people. Yeah, it's amazing. And to do those close to home too, where not only is it a cause that's supportive, there's so many great, valuable and worthwhile causes out in the world, but to take some that you have that personal connection to and to see it happening, like right next to you, right? To see the impact of the work and of the support happening right in front of you has got to be really gratifying too. So we're going to let you get back to another victory there in, uh, in land of victory lane at Sonoma. So Martin Truex Jr., before we let you go, social media wise for people keep up with you and all your adventures where can they go 
Oh, I don't even know what my names are on those things. <laughs> Look for Martin Drake Jr. with the blue check mark. <laughs> That's what we'll do. We'll have links up at WGNRadio.com. Martin, good luck with everything. you got so many fans pulling for you, and thanks for jumping on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Take care. 720 WGN, it is Dane in for Dean until 1 p.m., and we still have some great guests coming up. We will be talking a little more food. We're going to have Tim Shear from Blues Hog is going to join us. We're also going to have uh, a lot more people coming up. We're going to have uh, Jeff Lawler from Geha's Cafe, of course, the Fondue Cap. 57 years they have been on uh, as well. And then we're going to have Chicago Beer Fest, and the Trotter Project is going to be with us as well. So a ton happening, but we're going to talk a little more cars. Right now, we may get into some food because Greg Alonzo uh, also is a big food fan. And who isn't, right? That's how you stay alive. Greg from Speakeasy Customs, welcome to WGN. Thanks, Dane. It's always a pleasure to be on. So it's great to have you in studio. And you're in for a couple different reasons. So Tim Shear is going to be on with us at noon from Blues Hog down at uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway for the El Bandito Barbecue Smokedown. You created the custom trophies again for that barbecue competition, which pitted uh, world champion pitmasters in a uh, People's Choice Award. So a lot of those race fans got an opportunity not only to taste some great ribs, but also see some of your trophies. And then if that wasn't enough, um, one of your creations from Speakeas is going to be the transportation for the Pride Parade for WGN. Yes, it will. Uh, so, yeah, for WGN Radio, we're going to be providing a 1954 uh, Chevy truck, uh, pickup truck that we're going to have. Uh, we did all the artwork on this truck. It's got a lot of um, decorative artwork on the fenders and on the hood. Uh, we also changed um, all the front end. We put a whole new chrome front end on this thing because it used to be all painted. It had a painted grill, painted bumper. So we changed the whole look for the owner. And uh, so he's been a friend of mine for a long time. So he's going to provide the truck for us. And we're going to use it as the float for WGN Radio. Not only a cool truck, but also a truck with a pedigree. This, I think, was one that was in World of Wheels and yes, won some, some things as well. And when, you know, trucks are cool anyway. People love trucks. You know, we had, uh, you know, a lot of people love trucks and they're functional and practical to go in a bunch of different ways this one i think is it's a vintage truck right this yes. is uh, talk a little bit about maybe the age of it right and, and sort of just the vibe that it gives off well you know it, it's it's almost a low rider truck uh it's really low to the ground it doesn't have hydraulics on it but it's got really low to the ground it's got the small little wheels on it but it also has the nice wood bed and actually we're going to be fabricating some wood sides for it because i know uh people are going to be riding in the back right so we're going to have to have a little something for people to hold on to so we're going to fabricate some wood sides uh and give it a nice very classic look uh like i said it's a 55 uh or 54 i think and um yeah it's it's a beautiful truck all around what kind of things you know we get sort of spoiled with all the things that our cars can do now where they've got you know computers and the gps and the lane assist and all that kind of stuff the 55 probably doesn't have a ton of that does it have at least power steering or power brakes or no i do but this one does uh the back when they were new, it just depended on, I think it was an option to get power steering. I don't think they all came with it. Uh, but this one is, is upgraded. It's got a newer newer engine in it. It doesn't have the stock engine in it anymore. It's got a 350 in it uh, with power steering. So uh, most people do upgrade those trucks, especially if the, the more they drive them, the more they want them to be comfortable. Uh, there's also a style of, of uh, restoration called Resto Mod where they... What does that mean? So there's certain, I think, probably some people that want to 
you know, they're purists, right? And they want to return it to its, you know, its original condition yes. with everything as original as possible. Yes. And there's, I think, something to say for that. But then some of the stuff, people want to have it where it's way better than it was back. Yeah. yeah. I mean, originality is one thing. I love an original car. It's a beautiful thing, uh, especially when it has original paint and, and everything on it. Nothing's been touched. It's a time capsule. So I, I do appreciate an original car for sure. However, a resto mod would be where you restore it so that it looks like it's still stock but at the same time you open up the hood everything underneath the hood is all brand new like for example we're doing a 1963 ford falcon that would have originally had an inline six and in uh the original suspension and age suspension so we went in there we take took everything out we put a mustang two front end suspension with rack and pinion power steering power uh disc brakes uh we also put in a 5.0 mustang engine as well wow so uh, lots of muscle behind this little, very light car. And, of course, with the rear end, we had to beef that up, of course. So we got a nine-inch, a four nine-inch rear end in the back with four-link uh, suspension and coilovers on the back, as well as disc brakes in the back uh, for stopping power. So, so you guys have exhibited you know, all over the country, even out of the country at Geneva, yes. which is the most prestigious car show in the world with the Golden Sahara, too. And so when people come to you, do they come to you? And that's part of, I think, one of the important things that you do over at Speakeasy is that consultation side of it. So yes. it isn't necessarily where people come in and have all the answers. Some do probably. They know exactly what they want, but some, you probably sit with them, not only tell them what you're thinking might be possible, but might might be best, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, there's a lot of times where people will come to me and they'll ask me, like, well, what do you think if I do this? I really want to do this, but what do you think? And I really love when they ask me for my opinion. It's It, it, it shows the trust and the faith that they have in me and the work that I do. And it makes me feel good to know that they believe that I can give them the advice that's going to give them the car or the truck that they really want. So, you know, like one of the things we're doing right now is a glass roof on a 1969 Camaro. So about 85% of the roof is going to be a glass panel. It's basically going to have a windshield in the roof. So it's... it's Is that like something you can order from Anderson Windows? Uh, no, the no. Home show? We're having the, the glass is going to be custom made. Uh, so. How do you custom make glass? Is that... I mean, and then safety-wise, right, too? Yes. Because you don't want it to... It's, it's going to be tempered. a bump and break it oh for sure it's going to have to have nice support and and it's going to be installed the same way a windshield would be so there'll be uh some support in there uh but it's also going to be tempered glass uh we have to make sure it's thick enough to like you said you don't want the guy to hit a bump and be covered in glass so. 312-981-7200 is as we kick into summer there is going to be a lot of these great cruise nights and a lot of great car events that really over the last few years have either been curtailed or pared down or canceled. And that is going to be great to have some of these great cars. The kind of cars that you're creating on a regular basis are going to be out and on display. When you mentioned that, I'm thinking like the Pope Mobile. When you mentioned the glass <laughs> thing, is it giant, you know, bubbled? Is the person in the Trans Am going to be standing up in there and no, waving to the crowd? No, actually, it's going, to, uh, it's going to be very much like a more modern car. You see these cars that have the panoramic roofs, they call them, where it's mostly glass. It's going to be very similar to that. It's not going to open it's going to be uh stationary uh but it's going to be a, a full glass panel so it's going to be very cool to, to see once we're done uh one of the things we're still trying to figure out is how are we going to finish the inside uh with the headliner and making sure it how looks do you clean. have a light they overhead the dome light how's that going to happen well you're going to have to stand uh, hope that the moonlight is enough that's it <laughs> that's it right sometimes you need a little help from from, from mother, mother nature, nature right sure. yeah there we go jinx three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. if you have a favorite cruise night you want to give a shout out to we're going to take a break we'll still have greg alonzo from speakeasy customs with it and we're going to talk
talk with Larry and Christina from Westmont Cruise. And for all the suburbs, they have some of the very best cruise nights and themed nights for car fans and car culture fans in all of Chicagoland. So we're going to talk with them in just a minute when we come back. So keep it here. It's Dane and Ferdine on 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Jack has the most upbeat bumper music on the planet. And today is no exception. It's staying here with you until one. I've got Craig Alonzo from Speakeasy Customs and Classics in studio with us. And 312-981-7200. People are adding their thoughts as we get into like a full car show, motorsports kind of summer. A lot of those great events are going to be happening all over. And if you have one you want to share with us, you can. 312-981-7200. Before we get to Larry and Christina out in Westmont, let's go to Bob. Bob, welcome to the show. Yes. Yeah, I'm just letting you know, uh, the Buick Club of America is going to be running a national show in Lyle, Illinois, from June 21st to the 25th. The 25th is going to be the big car show. We're looking at over 300 uh, just Buicks coming in from all over the nation. Wow. Okay, good to know. We're going to have a link up at WGNRadio.com for that. Bob, I appreciate it, and all the Buick fans do, so thanks for checking in. Okay, thank you. All right. And so we're going to have Jack's going to like lock in Larry and Christina from Westmont. And uh, before we get to them this second, so great. You do a lot of Buicks. Buicks are, you know, I think they've got sort of this kind of, uh, you know, a place in American motorsports and car culture lore. I don't have them. Here we go. Yeah, for sure. There's a bit of a cult following for Buicks, for sure. Uh, we've done a few. I've done a 65 uh, Buick. Actually, I've done two 65 Buick Rivieras with the clamshell headlights. Uh, we've done a Wildcat, convertible Wildcats. I think that was a 67. Uh, but yeah, it seems like the Buicks of the 60s and are, are really popular right now. And then probably older ones, too. But the ones from the 60s are the most popular. You'll certainly say. see some uh, some Buicks out in Westmont. It is, it is bar none, one of the absolute very best places places for cruise nights and it's going to be back in full effect this year we've got larry and christina from westmont guys welcome to wgn hello thank you for having us it's exciting whenever you get that email that you guys have this you got your schedule out you know that not only a lot of listeners here on wgn but people all around the chicagoland area they're making plans to see you in westmont i would say absolutely uh we already had our first two weeks under our belt now we start uh June 2nd, and we go every Thursday night from 5 to 9 p.m. downtown Westmont in June, July, and August, every Thursday. And then we wrap it up, actually, on September 1st. And uh, last last Thursday, we had our squad car night, and we probably had, you know, we counted uh, 367 cars, you know, by eye. But cars keep going and go, uh, coming and going all night long, so... Who knows? We maybe even made 400 this past week. It's one of the things, like the squad car night is a big one, right? Because you not only have some local law enforcement vehicles, you've got vintage ones, you've got things that would probably be Andy Taylor's from Mayberry, right, all the way back. So you go, it's like the full scope of um, of sort of those first responder vehicles. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, this year we had uh, all 94 uh, squad cars and trucks and uh the night evening end up with a parade which was awesome it's a fun opportunity too for a lot of kids to get together and kind of hang out and usually there's some stickers and badges and things like that so the people who got a chance to experience that you know that they won't forget but coming up you guys always have some great themes obviously people just show up 
and bring their cars on a regular basis, but you always have a different theme that's sort of highlighted and featured as well. So what's going to be coming up this week and then coming up maybe over the next couple of weeks here in June? Well, on June 16th, which is the Thursday coming up, we have GM Night. And, and like you said, we have a theme um, every single week, but all makes and models are welcome every week. And people can go to westmontevents.com to get that information directly. Uh, but June 23rd, we have muscle cars, hot rods, rat rods, and dragsters. We have three different gentlemen who have uh, been racing dragsters for years, and they bring those out. And on the hour, uh, they, uh, they get those started, and <laughs> they'll have to wear their, uh, I don't know, <laughs> their earplugs at that moment because it gets, it gets real loud. But that's on June 23rd. June 30th, this is a new theme this year, we have the good old days which we're going with 50s, 60s, and 70s. And then, uh, and then July 7th, we, we have an abbreviated uh, uh, cruising nights because that's our Taste of Westmont weekend. So that's uh, our big festival in town from the 7th through the 10th. Uh, but then we just continue ha- weekly having uh, great nights. We have a truck night on July 21st, and that also features Jeeps. And then we have our fire truck night, which is another huge night. Uh, on August 4th. But uh, go to our website for all the details for all the things. You mentioned Taste of Westmont. And we are, we only highlight a little bit of fast and a little bit of food here today. And coming up at noon, we're going to have one of the top barbecue stars in the world, just won Memphis in May and, and so many other of the world championships. Tim Shear from Blues Hog is going to be here. And Westmont hosts a great barbecue competition on a regular basis. And you mentioned the taste of. And one of the things that different, and for the listeners, and there's some great car cruises and events in Lombard has a really nice one naperville's got a great one and hopefully they'll all be back in full effect this year but one of the cool things about westmont is that you guys do work with the community so this isn't a one-off kind of situation where you're in the parking lot of a restaurant somewhere and that's as is maybe as good as some places might have it but you have full you know community support the town and, and it's integrated right so people bring their cars there then they visit the restaurants and the stores it's uh it works Yes, so we actually uh, are a non-for-profit, volunteer-based organization. So everything what we do, it's it's because we all about everybody kind of jumps in and do the work. So, uh, but we are, you know, big thank you to our supporters, you know, the Mayor Ryan Gunter and the Village Board and Public Works, uh, Fire Department, Police Department. Everybody supports, you know, event, and we do close the streets for three blocks on Cass Avenue, which that allows cars, you know, to get in, you know, park and uh, for people actually safely to walk on the street. Yeah, it's it's great. So give one more time before we let you guys go. We know you've got to get back to the rest of your weekend, but where is the place where people could see not only the schedule, right, but the exact locations and then, of course, some of those other cool things that are happening in Westmont. Where can they go? Okay, so we our have website. on our website. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> we have anything on our no, website, which is westmontevents.com. And that has the listing for Taste of Westmont, Cruising Nights. We also do uh, pub crawls. We have a, a Halloween-themed festival called Wicked West Fest. And at the end of the year, we have our Holidays Festival. So all year long, we have uh, community v- events in Westmont. You guys have a really fun job, not only for the people that love, you know, sort of the car culture stuff and obviously those cruise nights there uh, right at home there, but just all the stuff that you guys do with the pub crawls and the just kind of supporting the local businesses and restaurants and getting more people out there. I know Westmont is full, right? There's no 
room for people to move there. But for those people that may want to find a new hometown that's got sort of fun, you know, right on the radar, Westmont is uh, is a place to go. So, guys, we'll have links up and want to let you get back to your regularly scheduled Sunday. And thanks for jumping on the show today. Thank you. Thanks so much, Dane. All right. Wow. So excitement happening on the car side, and it is really great. And you can get there, and they close down the streets, and you can uh, get in there and enjoy some of the restaurants, certainly some awesome cars to be able to take a look at as well. We're going to take a break, and we come back. We're going to get on to some of the food. We've got Jeff Lawler for Geha's Restaurant when it comes to uh, – you know, the fondue side of things, not only the fondue side of things, 57 years and really listed, I think, nationally as one of the most romantic restaurants in the world, right? Certainly here in Chicago. And so we're going to talk with him when we come back. Keep it here. It's Dane 720 WGN. We are back 720 WGN. Hi, atop Chicago in the Skyline studio and talking a little fast and a little food. And uh, not very many people can say that they have had a place that has been around for 57 years and that has such a great connection with so many different people in Chicago. And not only the connection for great foods and memories and family and that kind of stuff, but you know, some very big love connections as well. And Jeff Lawler is on from the one and only Gayhaus Cafe. Jeff, first off, congratulations on 57 years and uh, thanks for jumping on the show. Dane, thank you for having me. Um, it's, uh, it's a special month. It's a special celebration after the pandemic, and we are just having so much fun this uh, June, and the best is yet to come in June. So. You know, Chicago, great restaurant town, one of the best restaurant cities, maybe the best, I would always say, point of pride, best restaurant city in the country. And so what is it like to be in the middle of all of that sort of culinary greatness, but also have a place that is beloved? And for different reasons, not only for the great food, but also just you have this magical, romantic quality you've dubbed the most romantic restaurant. So, Jeff Waller, what is it about Gehaz that makes it so romantic? Dane, a great way to phrase that. Um, Gehaz started as um, Chicago's first wine bar by John Davis, the founder. And he had gourmet meats and cheeses. He introduced live guitar music. It was in a dimly lit atmosphere that just created an aura about itself. I mean, back in the 60s, people weren't drinking wine, and so you had to be a little bit off-center to be enjoying wine. I mean, people were drinking whiskey and beer. Then he moves it to our present location, uh, 340 West Armitage, and he has a larger um, space that he has to build out, and he builds it out to feel like a wine cellar. It's dimly lit. He brings over the gourmet meats and cheeses and the extensive wine list, along with the live classical flamenco guitar music. And then he introduces fondue dining. Um, and in the 70s, that's where fondue dining rolled out. So he was right at the pivotal point to introduce fondue dining as a way of dining and people enjoying the food, the cooking, the dipping the gra- together, the the friends coming together and the family come together to just enjoy each other over each other's company over a, a pot of uh, our Swiss Gruyere cheese fondue. And then you add in the romance um, where couples can come in and just find that quality time of enjoying each other uninterrupted. Gay House is like a place where people just feel they can escape from reality okay they they just come here to truly relax and escape and i've seen that i've been with gay house for 28 years and i've seen it time in and time out 
um, how people love gay has because um, it's their place to just get away and get centered again and enjoy each other's company. And the romance continues to grow. Last night, a couple came in and celebrated their 33rd year of celebrating their engagement, of their engagement. Last night, we had a couple of uh, 41 years celebrating their anniversary. We had three couples get engaged last night (laughs) at Gay House. I mean, just in one night. So... It's hollow ground. It's a special place. I got to tell you, and this is, this isn't just a story, right? This is, you know, we're actually sharing some real experiences and, you know, it's one thing to talk about. It's another thing to walk the walk and you have to have, you know, it's sort of like, you know, in Vegas, you know, you got the Elvish chapel, right? You know, and you guys yeah. have a little bit of that mystique in there and, and I'm part of it as well. So like on the night that, that we got engaged, where did we go? We went to Gayhaz, right? We didn't necessarily get you. engaged there, but it was like, well, where would be the perfect place to be? So, of course, I was more in the know. You know, I knew it would be a romantic place, but um, she didn't know at that time that, um, that, you know, I had to, like, set the stage. And if you want to go ahead and put people in the best and most kind of amorous frame of mind, you know, Gayhaz is the place to go. So not only and for the listeners out there, not only are we talking about it and not only is Jeff mentioning it, but um, but I lived it as well. So, Jeff, how often does that happen? So it's one thing to have it happen in the restaurant is but where people talk to you it's like hey hey jeff this happened to me well even i mean just that last night that couple that um the service says what brings you in tonight um just i mean they've been coming regularly but they just said it's our 33rd um anniversary of our engagement and we just wanted to celebrate getting engaged at gay house and uh, and i personally also um proposed to my wife Carla <laughs> at gay house um well, well, and jeff is that because yeah, you so. were just there you know like you're you're just there right you know i don't know if you're obligated to do that but you're just there all the time well, you just know I, I was kind of obligated if you think about it in my 20 plus years at that time of um, organizing over 500 couples getting engaged. I personally have orchestrated, played a role in their engagement, created their plans with them. Um, When it came down to me proposing for the first time in my life, I had the perfect plan, but as professional as I am when it comes to getting engaged or having people get engaged, I was a nervous wreck. Okay, and but it went off. It was great. I had family and I had friends around, and I had to do it there. So I just had to make it a surprise. So, so I did pull it off. So. Jeff, in the, in, we've got like a minute left, but we want to give you know because fifty-seven years, you've got some cool specials that are happening throughout the course of June. So go ahead and nece- and share those, of course, in the website. Sure. We know that's three forty West Armitage, but share the information coming up. Well. Every day in the month of June, we're going to be giving away um, a $57 gift card to the 57th guest, the 114th guest, and the 171st guest that come into Gay House to to enjoy Gay House. Then on uh, the um, June 22nd through the 30th is our truly our anniversary celebration where we're going to have uh, a select good amount of select premier dinners that are going to be $57 for the three-course fondue experience at Gay House. And during that time, we have chosen this year's winning cheese fondue and dipping sauce. And what we have is a Swiss Gruyere white cheddar um, cheese fondue that 
our people that dine with us will be able to enjoy, along with an Asian barbecue sauce that we will add to our sauce lineup. And we're just going to continue to have fun and celebrate. So, Jeff, as we let you go, just the website one more time. And again, we'll have links before we let you go. Okay, Gejas Cafe, G-E-J-A-S Cafe.com, 340 West Armitage. Jeff Lawler, thanks for bringing people together. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Dane, thank you very much. All right, when we come back, we're going to have Tim Shear from Blues Hog join us and Dean's List, the sponsored by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Stay tuned for news. We'll be back right after this. Seven twenty, WGN. It is Dane here with you. High atop Chicago in the Skyline Studio, and uh, as we talk a little bit of fast and a little bit of food, want to remind people that coming up after this segment, we're going to have a hundred dollar gift card from the Barbecue Authority in Lyle. Visit bbqauthority.com to shop and learn more. So stay tuned. We'll uh, announce. Jack's going to give some thought to how we're going to give that away. Maybe the maybe the seven hundred and twentieth caller, right? To keep with, or maybe the hundredth caller, right? For the hundredth anniversary, we'll figure that out. So stay tuned for that. On the line with us, excited to have on one of the premier and preeminent pitmasters in the world today. You know him as the man behind Blues Hog, the man behind the Gateway Drum Smokers, Marble Ridge Farms. He is the defending Memphis in May grand champion as well, so one of the top world championships in the world. Of course, he just won the Taco and Tequila El Bandito Barbecue Smokedown Championship as well, so so many titles. I don't know how he keeps them all straight. The one and only Tim Shear. Welcome to WGN. Thank you, Dane. Glad to be here, buddy. So how do you? You have a great family, and they seem to be really super smart, too. So do they? are they like um, tasked with keeping all of your barbecue titles you know, just sort of organized? How do you do that? <laughs> no, I think they're tasked with keeping me grounded, making sure I don't get a big head. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult, and I don't even see the, the, the reason or need for being grounded. Uh, I think you should just let it go, right? You just have to be <laughs> indulgent, right? Because that's part of the creative juices that flow that allow you to uh, to be so successful in a bunch of different ways. So congratulations on all that success. And you know what it does? It makes you more busy because not only all the things that we've been doing over the last you know couple months, but coming up this next week you're going to be back in illinois for tailgate and tall boys we had you know these guys won't be there but some of the biggest you know, we had old dominion on matthew ramsey uh, a little earlier in the program and but there's going to be some of the biggest names in country music that are going to be converging on bloomington and blues hog will be right there well they will and i'm super excited about it you know so like you said some of the top names in the country music world and and uh looking forward to that and, and looking forward to cooking some, some good barbecue for him and and just enjoying the weekend. It's going to be a good time. We'll be set up out there with El Bandito. And, um, you know, we'll be making probably some whole hog, maybe some brisket. Um, you know, we'll just go through the through the whole deal. Just see how the spirit moves you. You know, you, you don't want to kind of <laughs> confine yourself, right? You just want to just right. sort of channel the barbecue gods and then let and, and then see right. what happens. So, so much excitement for you guys winning Memphis in May. There isn't really a barbecue title that is bigger than that. It's the kind of thing that regardless if you're into food or barbecue, you're still familiar with that competition and with that title. So talk about it. Has it been, you know, with, there's been tons of success over the barbecue career that you've had, but has it been, I mean, would you consider it to be life changing is it has it you know was the the world different the day before than it was the day after you won memphis in may uh i mean it's it's definitely our biggest win in barbecue and and yeah it does it opens up a ton of doors for us that um you know it it really puts you 
on the map as far as you know a, a barbecue um, you know top competitor in the world and it's one of those goals we've had for a long time and and recently just been you know taking a crack at, at Memphis so we had the pork shoulder win last year which we thought was incredible and then you know to turn around and, and hit the whole hog and the world champion overall I mean that was just uh, you know it's just crazy we've just been riding the wave ever since and and you're right we've been super busy with it so it's just been been a great you know opportunity and and uh, we're just enjoying the ride think about this you know with in in the world of competition barbecue typically you know it's super time consuming and then the equipment is cost prohibitive for your average everyday person we talked with you when you ended up um winning you know at the national hardware show you did a bunch of different things so explain for the listeners where you know the kind of and this is the same basic philosophy and equipment that you used to win these world championships is basically the the drum the gateway drum smoker well, exactly, and it's been probably you know one of the top two ingredients that, along with our Blues Hog products, you know, no doubt about it, has been kind of our um, not so secret weapon anymore. You know, we started making those back in 2012 and immediately started winning, you know, at the highest level, and and you know we've just every year we keep keep doing something new. It seems like so you know we're grateful for it and it's awesome, but you know the unique thing about what we do is you know it's available at you know, for a backyarder, you know what I mean? It's not like we have this big semi-rig or something that we've got to pull around everywhere we go. I mean, we were literally cooking on 55-gallon drum smokers, and, and that's something that, you know, any anybody could have in their backyard and, and experience the flavor and the success that we've had on the competition circuit right there at home. One of the side effects of the success, and you mentioned the hardware show and uh, all the places, those retail locations they would have, and of course on the competition side, is that um, Blues Hog stuff, which is, you know, within, and for the listeners, just to let them know, in the in the competition world, it is synonymous with championships. It's well known. It's completely, you know, universal. Everybody loves it. Everybody uses it in some way, in, in a bunch of different ways. But for the average person, some of the success that you've had has allowed you to be able to take that and kind of bring it to more people. So, as we get into summer, talk a little bit about some of the places where people can get some of these ingredients, not only the smokers, but certainly the Blues Hog, the rubs, and the sauces. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, Blues Hog was created about 25 years ago, and, you know, it was just, you know, extremely well-known on the competition circuit, but it was almost like it was, you know, people wanted to try to keep it a secret, you know. So, um, you know, we took over about six years ago, and we've been able to expand the market, you know, and, and uh, grow the brand, you know, the way we think it should. So, you know, we've got it, we've got it available now at Ace Hardware's nationwide. Um, you know, High V's in the Midwest. Um, you know, all the way into Giant Foods, and you know, we're we're doing some deals with Walmart now to make it even more available. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where we're just taking the the, the taking it one step at a time with the brand, and and just continuously trying to bring it to more stores and make it make it more available for folks. Well, it's it's exciting. We talk all the time how it's an exciting time to be a race fan, but it's also an exciting time to be Tim Shear, right? And with all that, and for all the people that you're touching on this, because you're giving them the tools to be able to have and create some of that best stuff right in their own backyard. So there's a lot of people out there in the world that are going to be excited as well. So, Tim, we're going to let you go. And I guess I want to let you know he's probably on hold listening, but Scott Thomas, you know, Grilling Fool, he's down there in St. Louis. He was able to come out, hang out, and do some things. I know you work with him on some things, too. And so when when we get back for the break, we're going to actually talk with Scott. But if you want to send him a little message right now or whatever, you know, you can go ahead and do that. Yeah, I mean, Scott's, you know, he's a, he's he's been one of the original Instagram uh, barbecue uh, 
um, I don't know what you call it, like influencer, influencer? <laughs> or, or poster or something right. like that. But he was, he was doing it before it was it, what before everybody else was doing it, and he does a heck of a job, and and he does a lot for our brand as well. So we appreciate him, and it was good to see him down there in St. Louis. Yeah. So Tim, as we let you go, give the information, well, the sites, I guess, with Blues Hog, and maybe some of the social media stuff, so people can uh, get in touch with you, get some of those products, or find out where they're available. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It's blueshog, B-L-U-E-S-H-O-G dot com on, on the internet. And then we've got um, at Blueshog Nation and at Gateway Drum Smokers on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. So many ways to stay connected, Tim. Thanks for everything that you're doing. I know it's a busy time. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Yes, sir. All right. We'll, we'll see you later on this week, I believe. <laughs> All right. We'll see you then. Thanks, Tim. The um, We are going to take a break, but before we go to break, we're going to give out 312-981-7200 in order to win the $100 gift card from the Barbecue Academy. What what should we do? Like, Jack, what do you think? Which caller? I suggested the 100th for the 100th year. Or the 720th might be a lot of phone answering if you've got a better suggestion. Uh, 25. The 25th caller is going to win a $100 gift card from the Barbecue Authority in Lyle. Visit BBQAuthority.com to shop and learn more. So definitely do that, 312-981-7200. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have Scott Thomas, the grilling fool. So keep it here, Dane, on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, we are back and here until 1. And we mentioned a little bit with Tim Shear and excited to have on as we talk a little bit of food and barbecue. And this is the kickoff for summer, so a lot of people are out in their backyard. And some people, lucky enough, are at events like we were with him at Worldwide Technology Raceway for the El Bandito. Barbecue Smokedown is the one and only grilling fool himself, Scott Thomas. Scott, welcome to WGN. Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey there. So you heard, t- I don't know if you got a chance, if you were on hold, if you could hear Tim, but he mentioned, he said, of course, and designated you as one of the original kind of influencers on Instagram. You have been doing this for a long time. Yeah, like uh, 2015, I kind of dabbled in it, but um, actually 2014 and then 2015, I started hitting it hard. Um, God, that's seven years. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's been a good run. I mean, it doesn't seem like a million years ago, but in the world of social media, it is right. It is a transcendent amount of time. So talk a little bit about it for you personally, for yourself. Barbecue is, it is, you know, it is the quintessential American cuisine. It is one of those things that, that people have their own different takes and spins on it, but everybody universally loves it. It is the food that people celebrate with. It is the food that people have to uh, to commune with, and it is one of those things that is, I think universally accepted and just beloved, right? And so for you personally, Scott Thomas, like what was it that got you hooked on barbecue? Was it the sights, the smells, the visuals? What was it that got you started? Well, you know, at barbecue was something my dad did at home, you know. He would light the grill and, and people would just congregate around it. It was like a like a homing beacon, like, hey, come over here, hang out, let's talk, let's have a beverage. And it was just extremely social and I you know, I went to college my the running joke in my family is I was sent to college with a suitcase and a grill. And, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I basically, you know, a little, little crappy, little, you know, little cheap grill, but that's what I started grilling on. Cause my dad did it all at home. Um, and then at 20 or 30 years of just screwing up everything, um, I started a website uh, called grillandpools.com to help people not make the mistakes I did. Cause I, I, screwed everything up at one point or another i screwed it up i mean i do pretty good now but uh, at some point or another i screwed everything up whatever you want to name i did it so your perspective you're based down there in st louis which has got a great barbecue scene we know a little bit about that but you travel 
the country, you know, in some of these great events and the big ones and so like Memphis in May, right? You were there. So talk a little bit about yeah. how it's gone from just whether it's something that you did or your family did or your dad did. It's turned into not only kind of your passion, but your career, right? You're everywhere with this. Yeah, this is my day job. I mean, I, I, I grow on Instagram and I, and I promote products and, you know, show what I do and what other people do um, on that. And I go around to different events and, and find content there to share with people. Um, I promote those events, you know, I'll be doing at the American Royal in Kansas city in September, promoting them. Um, I've done the world food championships. I even did, was even flown out to Ireland to do a meetopia UK at the Guinness brewery. Um, I run, I have a company that runs social media for brands, mainly food related. Um, Tim, his blues hog stuff, we run their social, um, we do, you know, restaurants and, and, you know, uh, we do like the eat wheat people, that kind of thing. So we do anything kind of food related in social media. We can help with that. Um, and, and so it's, it's not like any one of these things sustaining me, but all these, these things together, um, it's, and it's all pretty much digital marketing around grilling and barbecue for the most part, um, is a career, which is, um, weird, but uh, I'm okay. It's, I'm okay. It's, I'm okay if it's got to be me. It's not. You know? It isn't. It isn't weird. Seven hundred and I don't know thirty five thousand followers on Instagram. Uh, don't think it's weird at all. They think that that's pretty cool, and they're following you on a regular basis and seeing it. And let the listeners know we're talking with the Grillin' Fool himself, Scott Thomas. And you mentioned Ireland, and I know over the last handful of years, some of our big stars in the barbecue world, whether it's your Myron Mixons or even Tim, you know, or Chris Lilly, and some of those other kind of personalities that maybe do a little bit of tv and certainly win awards is that they are traveling around the world and that the world is really kind of getting in on trying to learn more about barbecue trying to see more about that have you seen that too with your following that you're getting people not only from america but globally oh yeah yeah germany's got um you know it's not a huge base but they're rabid i mean absolutely rabid ireland's got a big one the the dutch I mean, you don't think of the Netherlands, you know, but here you are, the, the barbecue. And, and they're, they're, they're not only rabid for, for the, you know, seeing the techniques and all that, but they're rabid for the products because they're, you know, their spices, you know, we go in a grocery store here and, and then, and the spice aisle is up, you know, 300 rubs and, and there there's paprika, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> they, they, they are, they're trying to find sauces and rubs and, and all the stuff that we, we take for granted here. They, they want, you know, badly there. And, and it's great. I mean, it, it's, it's great. I get, I, I run into people. I know like the Germans dominated the barbecue at world food the last couple of years. Um, you know, we, we, we hang out with those guys and, and everybody, you know, we may, there may be a bit of a language barrier, but not really. Cause we're all speaking the same language. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's universal, right? And you, I mean, you hit on it too, because I think about the Jack, uh, the Jack Daniels World Invitational, and they always yeah. have, you know, a pretty big international contingent where you've got to just to show what you have to do to get into it. You have to win your country's kind of title in order right. to be invited to it. And it, you know, a while ago, it was kind of a novelty, right? And they'd build in some of their own flavors and ingredients and sensibilities. But now, I mean, they're contending for things. I mean, it's gotten serious. Yeah, the uh, the guys that won the Royal a couple of years ago were were from England and uh, like they couldn't, they weren't sure how to get the trophies back. They're like, we can't take these in the plane. <laughs> like, they're too big. They're, they're, they've got all these pointy edges to them. And you know, these metal points that look like flames. Like, what are we going to do? We can't. And they're like, well, we're going to ship them back. I have no idea what it costs. Cause those things are about 60 pounds each. Those, those trophies and they're not small. I can't imagine what that cost to ship them back to England, but uh, I'm sure they were happy to pay it because they couldn't take it on the plane <laughs> without buying an extra seat. Right. 
Well, okay. So, and give a little information about the website and some of the, obviously the pictures are beautiful, right? And I think that's part of the big selling point of barbecue is that there is so much visual to take in, whether it's the cuts of meat, whether it is the cooking, whether it's the live fire elements that are part of it. And is that, you know, you have your own connection and backstory to it, but is that really what you think is making it not only more and more popular across the country now where people are figuring out all that stuff, but globally, is it the communal nature? Is it, is it something hardwired in the DNA with the live fire? I mean, yeah. have you be able to put your finger on exactly what's driving it? Uh, well, first of all, it is, it is in our DNA, right? I mean, this is what it is. We, we, since the invention of fire, we've been putting meat over it and standing there and pointing out, maybe you should flip <laughs> that over, right? And, you know, and I, so I started the website, grillandfools.com, and it's step-by-step, picture-by-picture, foolproof grilling instructions. There's like 450 recipes, and all we want to do is have you not screw up where we did and, and just and nail it the first time. And we'll talk about where we screwed something up in the recipe. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the communal nature, I mean, we are, we are literally uh, people that have been cooking food over meat for, what, a few thousand years? I don't know how many years it goes back. But since the invention of fire, we've been cooking with it. And it is, it is just it is ingrained. It's just one of those primal archetype kind of things that is ingrained into everyone. Um, I mean, I, I guess unless you're only eating sushi, I mean, at some point you're putting meat over fire or something over fire. Even if you're a vegetarian, you're putting something over fire. Let, let the listeners know we're talking with Scott Thomas from uh, grillandfools.com. And, and last thing on the equipment side, here's, I mean, there's nothing more simple, right, than fire. It goes back as long as anything, right? But you're seeing people, some on the simplicity, right? Tim Shear with the Gateway Drum Smoker, it's about as easy as it gets. But you're seeing all the Wi-Fi enabled grills and, and all that tech side. What are your thoughts on that? Just as the, as the sort of the technology is there for people but is it necessary um it's not necessarily but it's not bad i'm going to tell you i have a i have a green mountain grill pellet smoker and i'm going to tell you thanksgiving i grill my turkey every year on it and i don't have to mess with it i don't have to touch it i can check the temperature for him inside no matter how cold it is it's so easy um that's that's kind of convenient and you know what and and this day and age with this covid and everybody went working from home there's a whole lot more people grilling during the day um, on a random Tuesday and they could be on their conference call, you know, and on a zoom call and look down <laughs> at their phone and check to see how much longer their pork shoulder has to go. That's not a bad thing. I mean, I think that's a, that's a good thing for barbecue. Yeah, sure. You really just need, you know, a, a way to control the temperatures and some fire, right? Vents to control your temp and fire in a rack to keep the food off of it. So it doesn't burn. That's, that's about as, as all it is. But those bells and whistles are, are, are not bad at all. It's not bad, right? To each his own. And, and here's the thing on the barbecue side, and for any of the people out there that think, well, I just need one. Nope. I think I have like five or six grills. I'm pretty sure Scott has maybe 10 <laughs> or maybe 20. Who knows? Some people, their entire backyard. But, um, Scott, we're going to have links up at WGNRadio.com for grillandfools.com. Uh, we'll have some pictures up as well and links to some of the social media. But thanks for helping us kick off our summer on the grilling side. Thanks for jumping on the show today. Hey, appreciate you guys having me out. I really do. All right, thanks. We are going to take a quick break when we come up. Uh, Chicago Beer Fest, one of the big events that's going to be happening this summer. So stay tuned for that. It's Dane and for Dean 720 WGN. 720 WGN. It is Dane here with you high atop Chicago in the Skyline studio in for Dean until 1 p.m. And one of my absolute favorite parts of Dean's show is I know a big favorite for all the fans as well. And it is time for the Dave Schwan Far Flung Forecast. Thank you, Dane. 
Good afternoon. It's 1239, and today our far-flung forecast takes us to Marion, Ohio. Marion, Ohio has a population of about uh, 36,000 people, and it was home to our 29th president, Warren Harding. We bring up Warren Harding in Marion, Ohio today because Warren Harding, as president, did something no other president had done on Tuesday's date, on June 14th, 1922, 100 years ago this coming Tuesday, the first president to be on the radio. And since we're celebrating our 100th anniversary here at WGN, I think it's a great tie-in. Oh, that's great, Dave. I thought it'd be something scandalous or maybe something sort of outdated. Well, there were some scandals in Warren Harding's presidency. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what's interesting is that he would be what we would call kind of a techno guy uh, back in the day. He was also the first president to own a radio in the White House. He enjoyed making recordings, and he recreated several of his speeches. We don't have a recording of that first radio broadcast, but we do have a clip from a speech that he gave May 23rd, 1921, commemorating the return of over 5,000 soldiers, sailors, Marines, and nurses uh, from World War One, being returned to Hoboken, New Jersey. He recreated the speech on a recording a year later, May 24th, 1921. Here's a little clip from that speech. We shall not forget, no matter whether they lie amid the sweetness and the bloom of the homeland, or sleep in the soil they crimson, our mindfulness, our gratitude, our reverence shall be in the preserved republic, the maintained liberties and the supreme justice for which they died. That went back to 1922. Wow, a hundred years ago. All that static included with it, no extra charge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, back then, of course, we didn't have microphones in in uh, regular use yet. That was recorded with one of those big horns that they spoke into, wow. and you're literally cutting the record as uh, as you're speaking or playing an instrument but uh warren harding spent much of his life in marion ohio it's in north central ohio he is he and his wife are buried there and right now it is uh mostly cloudy in 77 in marion ohio wow all your warren harding fans out there i know that they are taking <laughs> notes thanks dave appreciate it sure all right that is awesome all right so in studio with us excited to have and we talk a little bit of fast and now we're talking food this has both in kind of a crazy way right and we've got uh, trevor ross from old irving brewery and Derek miller he's the co-founder and ceo of the trotter project and uh, one of the top uh, organizations out there making a big difference in the world of food and here in chicago and guys welcome to wgn hey dane thanks for having us thanks no it's good to have you so as we get into summer, and now this is the first time in the last, I don't know, the few years, right, where people are, you know, kind of getting out a little bit more. Everything is kind of fully open, and we're seeing sort of a return to some of those great festivals, either ones we know and love or ones we are bringing back. So, you know, Derek, talk a little bit about this. It's the Chicago Beer Festival, correct? Yep, the Chicago Brew Fest. It's taking place on Sunday, June 26th at Rockwell on the River, and we've got over 30 uh, participating local uh, craft breweries. Uh, we all also have Chef DeAndre Carter uh, from Time Out Market and Soul and Smoke. Uh, his food truck will be out there. So we've got beer, barbecue, uh, and uh, a Sunday fun day for everybody and for a good cause. 
So, Trevor, talk a little bit about You mentioned there's 30 breweries, none um, up to the level of uh, Old Irving Brewery. So <laughs> talk a little bit about that. It's nice to have a beer event, right, to get out there and kind of share what it is that you do, not only with your fans, but, right, making some new connections as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously, uh, we're all really well connected in Chicago, all of us, uh, Chicagoland breweries. And so I kind of took, um, you know, my favorite of the group and, um, they're going to be bringing out the best of the best in terms of uh, what beers are going to be featuring. Uh, they're all very on board with the Trotter project, obviously for very good reasons. Um, all the, um, community outreach that happens. And of course the scholarship program that they do for inner city youth. Uh, it's, um, we couldn't, think of anything to be more aligned with obviously the the pandemic has been really hard for everyone but breweries were hit extremely hard um and i just think you know uh, right after that we do not mind coming right out of the gates and and doing these kinds of events to make sure that we're raising money for uh, such great causes like the trotter project and trevor are you seeing that you know in the world and we've talked about it in a number of different times that the restaurant the brew yeah, the hospitality industry especially with food and beverages hidden it more or maybe as hard as any other industry out there that just as there's a lot of fans of the restaurant and brewery world that are excited to get out there and do some of these things that you guys are excited to kind of put that behind you and get back to business as usual and get out there and celebrate with your fans. A hundred percent. I mean, I think one of the first days that we were able to reopen and I saw some of my old guests like belly up to the bar and I remember like having the staff come back and like start working again. I cried. I'm not going to lie. Like I actually cried. Um, And you know, when we go back to these fests, I mean, it's nothing but hugs and and we all love seeing each other and having a beer. And uh, I think, you know, at Rockwell on the river, I don't know if you've been down there. It is gorgeous. You've got like this view of the Chicago River right there, so you can see nature happening right before you. It's just the perfect spot to have this kind of festival. And Derek, we kind of joked about it, you know, that obviously the Old Irving is the best one, but 30 <laughs> great breweries. We have like a team photo of awesome brewing and beer related people here, and it is a very communal. Chicago is one of those towns, whether it's the restaurant side or the brewery side, it's just a communal kind of atmosphere. Everyone's kind of pulling for each other, supporting each other. So, Derek, name some other people that'll be on site with us for yeah, this. So, in addition to Old Irving Brewing for the uh, for the Chicago Brew Fest, we've got Eris uh, Cider and uh, Brewing House, which is absolutely amazing. That's the other important thing is we want to make sure that we're shining a spotlight on women in the brewing industry. So you've got Alarmist, you've got Goose Island Brewing, uh, you've got uh, so many others. It's going to be a great time for us. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Trotter Project. For those people in and around the food world, they know what it is. We're going to enlighten some of our other listeners. We're also going to talk a little bit about how the racing side of it plays into this as well. Kind of a very cool situation with some Chicago racing and some of the biggest stars in IndyCar. So keep it here. We're going to be back right after this. It's Dane on 720 WGN. And we are back 720 WGN until uh, one. And we were talking about Chicago Brewfest. And we have Derek Miller. He is the co-founder and CEO of the Trotter Project. Now, we know all the great stuff that you guys do supporting great food causes here in the Chicago area and engaging a lot of those high-level um, personalities in the culinary world. And this is kind of fun, right, to have this event right here. And so talk a little bit about, for people that aren't familiar with the Trotter Project, just kind of the things that you guys done, whether it's the origins of it and what you're doing today. Yeah, so it is named after uh, you know, the late uh, Charlie Trotter, a great chef here in Chicago. And uh, we we co-founded it. We se- we're celebrating eight 
eight years as a nonprofit. And what we do in a nutshell, basically, is we provide culinary arts and farm to school programming for kids on those south and west sides of Chicago. Um, you know, actually, during 2020 and 2021, we worked with Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen right here in Chicago to double down those efforts of keeping restaurants uh, lights on, doors open, uh, creating healthy grab-and-go meals, and feeding tens of thousands of people on the west and south sides. So it's been absolutely great. But, uh, you know, now that we're coming into 2022, we're thinking about all the ways that we can further have fun and support, uh, you know, the the culinary industry. And we have great deep roots uh, with uh, the brewers here. And so we thought, why not bring back our Chicago Brewfest? And so that's what we're going to be doing on Sunday. It's exciting stuff. And, you know, it's, it's built in and encapsulated in really what is a great celebration. But to be able to help and support the breweries and the restaurants and bring that out. And, and because think about this, and the listeners will know this, too, is that restaurants are the ones that are always sponsoring your events, whether it's your like little league team or whatever kind of charity event you got. And for them to need, a, you know, help in a big way as well was kind of out of character, right? It probably wasn't a comfortable thing. The restaurants were like, we're normally the one everybody taps on and we need help. Yeah, that's what we did. We, you know, in 2020, 2021, we really dialed back our scholarships, uh, pivoted those into grants and giving those out to restaurants, minority owned restaurants throughout Chicago. Um, and it was just an amazing opportunity to give thanks and give back to the community because they are, as you said, Dane, so supportive of all of us. And so again, we're looking forward to there. We see the, the bright sky ahead and, uh, we really want to rock it out and have some good fun with some beer and barbecue. And, uh, as I was mentioning to you off air, even Portillo's is getting and in the chocolate game. cake. Yeah, absolutely. Right. There is no more Chicago and authentic chocolate cake than uh, than Portillo's chocolate cake. And I, and I always thought it was a secret ingredient. Everyone knows it's a secret, right? Don't tell anyone that it's mayonnaise, right? But we all sort of know, right, that yeah. that's what it is. And so you think about it, it's a natural fit, you know, on the food side to have that happen. But uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing is involved with this as well. And so I deal with those people on a regular basis and, you know, the drivers and the tracks and everything. I'm excited to hear how they're involved with this. It seems, it seems kind of like a unique situation that they would be here. Yeah, we've got a lot of firsts. I mean, we've done a lot in 2020, 2021. Um, we have, as I was mentioning to you, we've got our first billboard uh, promoting the Chicago uh, Brewfest on I-90. So that's a first. And one of the other things is, of course, as you mentioned, RLL Racing, they've got deep roots here in Chicago uh, and reached out to us, acknowledging and realizing what we do in the communities. And they wanted to be able to give back. And they said, wow, this is a great first step for us. Let's celebrate. So with- what are they doing? Is it for people that can't attend in person, they're going to run deliveries in the IndyCar to <laughs> local places bringing some old Irving brewing you know maybe some chocolate cake they'll be yeah. delivering them to people how are they participating so they are a gold sponsor so they are supporting our efforts of place-based community outreach uh, some of the scholarships uh, that we give uh, to those students that Trevor was mentioning in the culinary arts hospitality management and agriculture studies and so it's you know who knows maybe we'll have some representation there during the Chicago Brewfest but we have their support it's something that we're just uh, getting the you know the dance steps to and we're excited about having that well, I'm going to talk with you know so so Bobby Rahal is like Chicago roots for sure Mike Absolutely. Lanigan in the south suburbs Dave Letterman you know he's from Indiana but he spent a lot of time in Chicago I'm curious if there's if there's maybe some secret motivations in order to get in on some of the food side of things have you ever talked to them about the, I don't know if I've talked to them about the food yet well they want they want chocolate cake uh, as well they're really after the chocolate <laughs> cake pairing with beer and like some like really good barbecue while you drive at like breakneck speeds like it's classic these well, guys want in on it if you notice in for the RL cars they do have there is a little kind of a console plate situation I think there's a cup holder built in there as well right yes yeah and you know who knows maybe you could see in the future some Trotter Project supporting chefs doing some things in tandem with RL racing (laughs) yeah it totally 
makes sense. And you know you've hit it as far as like success, right? This is, I think, one of the metrics of success if you have your own bobblehead or if you have your own billboard, right? So what what does, like Derek Miller, like when you see that, that is one of those moments where you probably say like, you know, we've come a long way. We have. We really have. I mean, it is a, it's a grassroots group. Uh, you know, we started it in honor of uh, Chef Charlie Trotter and our founding president, Chef Amaro Cantu with Moto Restaurant from the West Loop. But uh, we're in year eight. And as I was mentioning, never would have thought possible to be working and collaborating with people like Jose Andres and RLL Racing. I mean, the, the, the sky is limitless at this particular point. So we're going to have links up at WGNRadio.com for the Trotter Project. We've obviously, if you're listening to the program, you're familiar with that. So Trevor, for old Irving Park, give, you know, for the smoke clears, a lot of people are going to see you out there, but give some information about the brewery and some other things that are going on. So if people, you know, throughout the course of the summer can come out and see you. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, we're old Irving Brewing in, uh, old Irving Park. Uh, actually, Funny thing, uh, Derek, myself, uh, my friend Garrett from Portillo's, he actually works for Portillo's now, and then DeAndre Carter from Soul and Smoke, we all worked at Moto Restaurant together. Our oh, can too worked right, for Charlie right. Trotter. So that's how all this stuff comes together. And this is kind of what like really sews everything together and, and why we're all so connected. It's, and speak to that for just one second. Sure. We only have like a, a few seconds. Sure. But you think about, so obviously the Trotter Project, you know, Charlie Trotter, his huge impact, not only the identity of the food situation here in Chicago, but just, you know, globally, one of those great personalities. But you look at that sort of tree of, you know, the people that have been touched by, worked with, it's huge. I mean, that whole, I, what would you call it? Like a network, right? Of people are all tied 100%. together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if the culinary scene would be where it is today without Charlie Trotter's influence, to be completely honest. And you can see it in every single restaurant you walk into. Someone knows Charlie or someone worked directly for yep. him. For sure, Chicago's identity and food identity would not be anywhere near the same. And exactly. as we let you guys go and we close out the program, Derek, one more time, give information, um, You know, whether it's different packages or for tickets and where it's at and where people can go to get involved with the brew fest great yeah chicago brew fest is sunday june 26th at rockwell on the river uh, we have general admission and vip tickets um, and you can purchase those tickets at the trotterproject.org slash brewfest and we'll have links up at wgnradio.com thanks to everybody who listened to the show thanks to everybody who participated derek trevor thanks so much Greg, thanks for being in studio. Of course, all of our racing stars. And, of course, Jack as well in the booth. Thanks to, for that. Stay tuned for Steve Dale. And now it's time for news. Hell's